1: This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, bloods, waste Wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right.
2: All right. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome everybody. It's Monday, January 22nd. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you, as always, from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in slightly less snowy, but still cold, but slightly less cold, Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take higher learning to another level with the UofL MBA program... Best time to start is today. Best place to visit is business.louisville.edu. They'll tell you all about how you can get your master's in business administration in just 12 months. And feel like you're being paid to do so in the process thanks to some competitive internship opportunities. It's the MBA that pays. Visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, one FM, streaming all over the globe. You know it's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford is here in the captain's chair. Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus, is over uh, across the, uh, behind the concrete in the production chair. Scoots, how are you? I am fantastic, Mike. It is uh, Monday. I'm refreshed.
0: I got a nice weekend, nice long weekend to uh, relax, do some, take some me time, although it wasn't as much me time as I would have liked. But I'm here ready to discuss some sports. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. So we get about seventy percent Detroit Lions today. Is that the
2: plan? It would be the plan <laughs> in a perfect world. This is not a perfect world, unfortunately. This is this is not uh, the Mike Rutherford world. It's supposed to be, but it's not. This is the uh, the U of L Cardinals world. It's your all's damn show. So we're gonna hear from you. Know, we'll talk about what we want to talk about. And in the text line will talk about what it wants to talk about, and we'll uh, we'll discuss both those things. You also have uh, Trey Ryan, a- A.K.A. Trey Ryan from Cluckers over there. That's right. Yeah, handling business in the the production studio today. Got to
0: got to let him or fill him him in on how to run these things over here, and he can uh, fill in for us from time to time.
2: Because first we had Patrick leave us for six eighty, yeah, which was a-, a slap in the face, and then we have Patrick in the middle of the the Brom Squad Revolution leaving U of L for WKU. The kid just doesn't know how to be anything but a turncoat. We just we just keep losing him every step of the way.
0: Well, Trey filled me in that he has done some work at 680 as well. So
2: I knew that he okay, but right. he, but he was like sabotage. It was more of like a reconnaissance mission. He was trying to gather information so that we could use against. Oh, them. okay. That's what, he was a sleeper spy. He was, yeah. he was a sleeper cell. Yeah. So well, yeah. Patrick was just he was just trying to get paid. And that was <laughs> that was it. He just did complete turncoat mode. you uh, said, yeah, I know you had some. So, play-by-play duty on Friday, you called the, the 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 battle of one win between the two schools. No. It got
0: canceled. No! Okay. It got canceled due to the weather, so I had a free Friday night, which is really rare. I, I rarely get free Friday nights from August to about March, so I soaked it in. I uh, watched, well, I didn't soak it in. I watched Indiana, unfortunately,
2: mm. and they were pretty horrible. So You aren't quite at the level of hell that we are. No, oh gosh. But it's very much like uh, this is not good. Like, you know, we were very excited about Mike Woodson. You know, things were supposed to be getting better. We're supposed to be improving as a program, working towards where we want to be. And this year feels like, so far at least, a a massive step backwards.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just, I don't even know what to attribute it to. I just, I feel like the coaching staff is doing all they can. I just, I'm more apt to blame the players. For this, what's been happening lately for Indiana, just I don't, there doesn't just seem like there's anybody holding anybody else accountable,
2: and that's not a good way to have a team. It seems like to me, and uh, I had a little bit of analysis after the Purdue game, this is my analysis now. And, you know, again, it, I'll dumb this down as much as I can, but it might be over the, the top of a lot of people's heads because it is sort of, sort of like basketball behind the curtain speak. I, I think the issue for Indiana is they're not good at basketball, and it's late in the season. Like we're, we're getting a lot of coaches and, and things. Like the Rick Boeser's column today about Louisville and, and what they need to do to improve. And basically, what it boils down to is like we're more than halfway through the season. We've got less than two months left in the regular season, and it's a whole lot of coaches and, and fans being like, "We're not good at basketball. I'd like us to try and 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 get good at basketball at some point in the second half of the season." And that's kind of wishful thinking. Like you, you can go from being a really good basketball team to like being a great basketball team. You can't go from being a crappy basketball team to a really good basketball team with a flip of a switch this late in the year. It's just it, that you, you can't get good at basketball things if you haven't been doing good basketball things for the first two and a half months. That's true. I mean analysis.
0: I, my my instinct is to argue with you on this because I I hate hearing that Indiana's
2: just not good at basketball, but
0: they're not good at basketball. I don't really know if I can argue that at it's, this point it's, with it's what I've tough. seen.
2: I don't know if I can. They are now, uh, IU is down at number 96 on Ken Palm. That's one spot ahead of UMass, one spot behind Liberty. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not going, it's not going to go great. I don't think it's going to work out well for you this year. Yeah, That's all right. right.
0: There's always next year.
2: There's always next
0: year. I'm, I'm turning into, as an Indiana fan, I'm turning into a Cubs fan.
2: Always next year. Well, I mean, Cubs won the championship recently. So hey, there's, there's that th- means it's coming? Is, that what, you're, is <laughs> the, that what you're telling me? There is that. It's on its way? But you said you got some scoots time. What does what, what what Scoots do in Scoots time? Do I want to know? Um, So, basically,
0: I just relax, watch some watch some Netflix, Um, big video game guy if I get Scoots time, although I didn't really play a whole lot of video games this weekend. I watched, uh, well, this was Thursday night, but I watched American Nightmare on Netflix. Have you watched that yet? I have not. Oh, do it. Is it good? Oh, it's awesome. It's only a three-part series, quick watch. It's only about two hours, 15 minutes, maybe a little more, but it's, oh my gosh, it's It'll bend your mind in ways you didn't even know possible. Well, I can't really handle that stuff right now. But is it like true crime, or is it like yeah? No, it's a it's a true story about this couple. I, I don't I
2: don't even want to say anything else because okay. I don't want to ruin right, it. Right. But That's it's fair. a great watch.
1: Okay,
2: I appreciate the scooch recommendation. There. Yeah, and it was just a relaxing, refreshing, resetting weekend for you.
0: Yeah, I had a midway doubleheader on Saturday, so that was fun. Um, they took on IUS. So I knew I knew quite a few of the players on the men's and women's team for IUS, or not personally, but I I know of them, seen them play in high school. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, other than that, didn't didn't really do a whole lot. Watched a lot of basketball. Watched a lot of ba- any,
2: any football because we have football to talk about. I did watch some football as well. Yeah. Lots of good football was, going on. I
0: was locked in for both those games yesterday. Ah,
2: it feels good. It, it, it feels good to have this to talk about at the beginning of the show, and we can at least put off the. Oh my God, Zan Payne. Oh my God, perimeter defense. Oh my God, Louisville basketball talk for like 20 minutes, which, which, I mean, hell, probably not even that long, but like 10 minutes. One, 20 sounds better. Man, it does. I mean, two hours <laughs> sounds a lot better to me. One, we've got Lamar Jackson shredding narratives, putting the haters in their place, doing all that good stuff. Like, that's, that's awesome. It was a little bit nerve-wracking there for the first, uh, the, the first half on Saturday in the first game against the Texans because you know, the offense wasn't looking great. The defense w- was looking like they typically do. They, they were very good. They gave up a special teams touchdown, and that was it. But it was 10-10. And you kind of got the sense that the Texans were had a little bit of the momentum, and you're kind of thinking, here we go again. Another year where the Ravens are fantastic during the regular season. Another year where Lamar Jackson is putting up eye-popping stats and everyone's saying this is the year he's going to get it done in the playoffs. And then, bam, are they going to fall flat on their faces? And, and no, it did not happen. Lamar goes into the locker room. In his words, uh, he, he says a lot of things that he can't repeat publicly and fires everybody up, gets them going, uh, makes some adjustments himself, call, talks with Harbaugh about some adjustments they want to do in the second half. And he's fantastic, and the team's fantastic, and, and they win 31-10 to in what was 3410. I 3410. in what I think we can say was the like the it ended up being the most the only real boring game of the weekend, right?
0: Yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, I mean the other three were electric.
2: He I mean Lamar it's not going to totally put to bed a bunch of doubters because if you lose this weekend at home to to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, it goes back to like everybody saying like, "Cool, he's the MVP," but he's never going to do what Mahomes can do in the playoffs. He's never going to do what these these top three or four quarterbacks can do in the playoffs. Like this is very much. I don't want to say it's a legacy game because Lamar is only twenty seven. He still has a lot of time. That's still. it. He's only twenty seven. I mean, you, you, you remember he was the youngest Heisman Trophy winner of all time when he did it as a sophomore. So he was he was young for his age coming out and didn't use a red shirt. He played three years of college football, so he was in the NFL at like twenty. I think He was twenty two when he got drafted. So. He's, uh, he, he's young. He's still young, and there's still a lot of time to, if he falls on his face or his team just doesn't get it done this weekend, there's still time to flip narratives on their heads and you know rewrite history and all that stuff, but this is the prime of his career. At some point, he's not going to be as explosive of a runner as he's been for the last five or six years. And he's going to have to become more of a one-dimensional guy. And you do wonder how that's going to change the way that he plays. Like this is this is his prime. This is the time where he needs to, he said it himself, to, to win a championship, and would love to see him get it done on, on on Sunday against the Chiefs. But you can't win the championship without winning the first game in the playoffs. They won the first game in the playoffs. I thought it was a, a resounding performance by him. Awesome to see. Uh, I was happy to see Lamar play the way that he did. What was your reaction to that to that game? And then, you you, you know, little Niners-Packers that night as well. It was a fantastic game.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought the Texans would be closer than that's the 24-point right. margin. I mean, I think we both guessed that on Thursday. But when you get that that version of Lamar, Lamar that's passing for two touchdowns, granted he only had 152 passing yards, but he had those two passing touchdowns, 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns at it kind of felt like vintage Lamar, right? And now That's that you it. say he's 27, I kind of feel like an idiot saying that it felt like vintage Lamar because, I mean, he's he is still young. But that was arguably one of the best versions of Lamar that you can get. He was just in complete control the entirety of the game. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a great performance, fun game, despite the scoreline. I mean, it, it's, it's NFL playoffs, right? It's, it's the divisional round. Whether it's a blowout or not, it's still – you're, you're coming to the end of football season, so as you're watching the divisional round and then next week the championship round, it starts to hit you that, whoa, we're, we're going to be without football until, what, August, know, um, September? Yeah. So you've got to enjoy these for what they are. So even in blowouts, I enjoy them.
2: It's, yeah, it, I mean, this is going to be, for me, a long-ass week just getting to, <laughs> to to Sunday. and I know for everybody else, it, it does kind of suck. I know these are the games that matter the most, but it sort of feels like in the NCAA tournament, when you get down to the the elite eight and the final four like those are the biggest games those are the games that the most people watch but for you know for from like a fun perspective it's kind of like the least fun round because you have the fewest games there's mm-hmm. no chaos and and you know if one game sucks you don't have anything to pivot to so this is where we are now in the NFL playoffs uh, just just like you said Three games left of football, unless you're excited about this what this USL XFL merge or whatever it was. Like you know, spring just got stronger. Whatever ads they've been running recently, I can't get myself excited for that. So this is the end of football coming up, and then you get a whole break between the 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 the, the championship games and the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm going to embrace it. It was fun to watch football this weekend. I I thought for a little bit. I mean, there was definitely I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to jinx it. But watching the Packers and the Niners, watching the Packers like dominate. For uh, dominates probably too strong, but look like they were in control for a large part of that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm sitting here and I'm like, dude, we might host an NFC Championship game. Like, like, like it's it's looking like the everything is just opening for the Lions. And then on the other hand, I'm sitting there thinking, we and the rest of the NFC North had gotten excited this year because we're like, oh, cool, their next generational quarterback actually sucks. Like, like this is it, we're not going to have another like Favre to Rogers situation where this guy just terrorizes us for the next ten years. And since the Thanksgiving game against the Lions, Jordan Love has looked really, really good, and for 75% of that game on Saturday night, he looked like he was fantastic, and you're kind of like thinking, oh bleep, like, this guy's just going to kill us for the next day. The Packers are going to be right there forever. They're not going anywhere, and this is going to suck. And then he kind of spits the bit a little bit on their last two drives, can't get it done, and Brock Purdy, for as poorly as he played, none of, the, none of there was rain and all that stuff, uh, he does get it done at the end, and the Niners uh, wind up winning, and like like it would not shock me at all and I'm saying this as a as a Lions fan who's hoping that I'm wrong but it wouldn't shock me if the Niners come out and just look like world beaters this weekend and and you look back and you're like they got their they got their iffy performance out of the way in the first round you see this happen to make another NCAA tournament comparison a lot of times in in the NCAA tournament where uh, a two or a one seed looks really rough in the first or the second round, and you're like, damn, you know, they may not be long for this," and they just kind of roll from that point forward. You, you just sometimes you have to get the jitters out, you have to get the the whatever out in your first game of a postseason, and maybe that's what happened with the Niners. But I don't know. It was uh, I was rooting for the Packers at the same time. I was like, I mean, you know, if they can beat the the, the Cowboys on their home field, and then San Francisco on their home field. Who's to say that they can't beat us on on our home field? But I still would have preferred that than having to go out there and play what has been the best team in the NFC this season uh, next weekend.
0: Well, they did show that they're beatable, right? I mean, did you at least get that aspect from it watching that game that, hey, they're they're not world beaters. I mean, I know everybody's talked about the Niners like they are unbeatable all season, but the fact of the matter is they have 12 or five losses on the season, and they very well could have lost that Packers game had Jordan Love not decided to throw it over the middle of the field with 45 seconds left, and especially, that's just something you don't
2: do for sure. And especially if, if if Samuel is is hurt and out or even limited, like yeah. their offense becomes different. I know CMC is, is awesome and they've still got uh, great receivers and Purdy is more of a system guy. But if they don't have Debo, I think it it just dramatically changes what they do. And and they are, I mean, like like you said, they're certainly not invincible. They've been the best team in the NFC for most of the season. But look, the Lions are are, are not that far beneath them. It won't take like a we have to play our A plus game, and they have to play like a D plus game for us to win this. Like, they're certainly in a world where Detroit goes out there and just beats them on Sunday. But to get there, we had to take care of business yesterday afternoon, and it's still. I know every Lions fan in the world is talking about this, and people are probably getting annoyed by this point. But you have to understand. Like, <laughs> again, I had seen one playoff win in my entire life, and I didn't even really remember it because I was six years old before these last two weeks. So you'll have to forgive Detroit fans for like hyping this thing up and not being able to think about anything else because this was this has been like an unthinkable thing for basically my entire life. Seeing Detroit win two games in the playoffs, advance to a conference championship game and be this close to going to the Super Bowl, even when we beat Dallas in, in 91. And again, I was super young, so I don't have any firm memories of this, but the the sense was like they're gonna be outgunned against Washington. Um, Washington was clearly the best team in the NFL that season, and they destroyed us the way that they were supposed to, and then went on to win in resounding fashion in the Super Bowl. So this year, I mean, it, like it, this this feels like the best chance in my lifetime I've had to see the Detroit Lions play in the Super Bowl, which is a statement that's still like I feel weird saying it. It, it feels like I'm so used to saying it jokingly my entire life when the Lions would get off to, like two and zero starts in college. And I'd be like Super Bowl, here we come! Super Bowl. I've never really thought about it seriously, and until honestly, like this year, what was the first time. And I kind of wavered on that when they got you know, they got blown out by the Ravens. They got uh, beaten badly a couple of times. Like the Packers on Thanksgiving was kind of a down to earth. And maybe they're not ready. Maybe we'll find out on Sunday that they're still uh, a year ahead, but behind schedule. They, they you know they're just ahead of the curve right now and they're not really going to hit their stride until they get some secondary help or get maybe a more mobile quarterback. I don't know. Or maybe they're going to shock everybody again and they're going to go to the Super Bowl and we'll see what they can do against Baltimore or Kansas City. But for now... It's just been so fun. I mean, I had, you know, my, my, my kids are wearing their Lions stuff yesterday. Actually, Virginia was like, I came upstairs at one point in the first quarter and she just like, she'd spilled juice on herself. So she was just topless. I'm like, that, there you go. That's fine. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> All the ladies are taking their shirts off. Dan, uh, John's got his Aiden Hutchinson jersey on, but he's running around saying, going, Go Lions. He has no idea what he's talking about. Like, he's kind of watching the game. He, he just sees like daddy and mommy celebrating. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this kid, this kid has no idea how lucky he's got it. Like, he's watched more Lions playoff wins in the last eight days than I had in the previous 38 years of my entire life. Granted, he won't remember them. He won't, which sucks, but, you know, he's, he's still he, – he's celebrating. He's happy. He wore his Lions jersey to school today. He was showing off. He wanted to show Nana. <laughs> he was just – he was flaunting it over everybody. Detroit versus everybody. That's he, He's all grit at preschool today. He was loving it. But it was just uh, – I mean – well, you, I think you and I both expected the game to be close. Hmm. I did think Detroit would win, which you're going into it, kind of you're at this, in this weird mental state where you're like, I don't want to assume anything, but I really do think that they're just better than this team. But you knew it was going to be dicey. I knew that they when they got up thirty-one seventeen, I'm like, there's no way they're just going to coast a victory. It's just not the Lions' way. Like they're going to give up at least a last gasp. And sure enough, Tampa Bay they convert the fourth and fourteen. And they go down and they score and make it a one possession game, and then they get the ball back at the end, and you know, you're still feeling good, especially since they missed that two point conversion. Which why did they do that? It's a new analytics thing. I think it's weird. I, I do like. I, I mostly am somebody who I'm not smart enough to get it, but I just defer to the analytics because you know there are smart people who do this thing. I guess the numbers say like good NFL teams convert on like 65 to 70 percent of two point conversions. I think is the math. So. If you get it, the odds say you you have a better chance of getting it than you don't. Boom, you you score late, you 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 win the game. All you have to do is kick an extra point. And if you don't get it, the math says you're still likely to get it the next time, and you're back in being a tie. I still think it's risky. I mean, it did feel like the momentum shifted back towards us when we got that stop because Mm -hmm. you know I think if you're only up six with the ball, you're kind of terrified. Like like if we make a mistake and they score, like it's over. Like we're we're done. And you still can play a little bit more loose if you're up by eight, because if they score, they still have to get the two-point conversion just to tie that thing. And worst-case scenario, we're going to overtime. So I do think it was like a big mental boost. I know it was for me, watching the game from home, to see them get that stop. Uh, And then, you know, Baker Mayfield does finally go full. Baker Mayfield throws a pick over the middle, like you said, pulls a Jordan Love, just uh, a mistake that he can't make. Celebration's on. Eminem's going crazy. Everyone's going crazy. Lions fans are going crazy. And, man, it's just... Like I said they won the year. I was hoping that they would win a game in the playoff. It felt like that should be the, a reasonable goal after the way that we finished last season. And to win two games, I know the bracket kind of opened up for us a little bit, but it's it still it's been it's been so fun. And I never thought that on uh, January 22nd, late January now, I'd be sitting here saying, "Thank God I have the Detroit Lions to distract me from Louisville <laughs> men's basketball." But that's exactly where I am. Like I can't think about anything else. I'm like, oh yeah, we have Duke on Tuesday. So, Just give me some Lions injury news. Two things. Did you hear – now,
0: he's one of my favorite in the biz, but did you hear Mike Tarico when they were going for two, lining up for the two? And he was like, oh, they're going to try to make it a five-point game. No, I didn't hear that. And I was like, wait, what? That's bad it's Like math. Mike, that's terrible math. What are that's you doing, dude? That's bad math, dude? yeah. I mean, he's, he's typically a lot better than that. Second thing, uh, I really appreciate you talking about how – potentially this is a Detroit team that could be a year away because they feel very much like the Packers in that sense. They've got a lot of young pieces. I mean, just look at the way Jameer Gibbs played on Saturday yesterday. Him and Sam Laporta for the future are going to be really, really fun. I I really enjoyed Jameer Gibbs on on Saturday or Sunday. Great
2: teams draft well, great franchises, and and that was the whole thing after the uh, the, the Eagles had their great draft last year. Didn't they move
0: him up to pick him like eighth overall? And everybody made fun of him? They and then, picked him 14th, I think. Oh, okay. But, but they, they traded the up to bit. get him,
2: right? They got him and they got the, the linebacker from Iowa, who's been so good this year. And then they got Laporte at 34th. Mm-hmm. And you know they got Aiden Hutchinson the year before, who's been a, a like an absolute hit at number two overall. But you know after the draft this year, there was all this talk like, well, that's why the Eagles were the Eagles and the Lions are the Lions because you have to be able to draft well. Turns out they kind of knew what they were doing. DeAndre Swift, who I think, was a he's a really talented running back, was not a good fit in Detroit. They felt like he was expendable. And rookie running backs have been lighting it up in this league for the last you know seven eight years now. Mm-hmm. And Gibbs, I mean, he he brings an element to the, uh, the offense that just they they didn't have a pass catcher like. Swift was not great out of the backfield, and they wanted him to be that thunder and lightning relationship. They get rid of Jamal Williams too, who was kind of their the thunder back. They bring in David Montgomery, who's the bruiser. Uh, it's, it's a great yin and a yang for that offense, and it, they've just they've drafted incredibly well, and it's it's awesome to see, um, and it's just it's super fun to follow. Um, I, I did also like you had C.J. Gardner Johnson talking some crap the week before the game, saying you know, these Rams are these Buccaneers wide receivers. Might be the best in in football if they had a good quarterback. <laughs> he said that before the Rams game, and Baker Mayfield kind of fired followed fired back, and then CJG picks him off on the first drive, flips him the ball, and then Mayfield kind of looks like he's going to return the favor for most of the day, throwing for 350 yards and, and three touchdowns. But uh, ultimately, the Lions get the last laugh. But that is, I mean, talking about them being a year away. Even if they were to do the unthinkable this weekend, I think they have a shot to beat the Niners yeah, and make the Super Bowl. Same. I have a hard time seeing them being able to beat Kansas City or Baltimore because their secondary is just—it's not good. Like, I think Terico said it straight up. Like at the beginning of the game, he's like, "The secondary is not good," and I was like, "He's not wrong." And and, you know, Baltimore Lamar threw for like a billion yards on them already this year back in October. Uh, I I don't know if they're ready to win, but I mean, God, just making the Super Bowl would be would be unreal. The other thing—I don't know if you if you saw this or anybody else really picked up on it—the fact that the Buccaneers didn't use their last timeout on the yeah. last series, was the one. Yes. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything stranger in football. Because you know, the, the math, after we get the, the first down, the math checks out. I mean, there's like a minute 20 left. They've only got one timeout. And it's like, okay, like we can run, you know, even if they use the timeout, we can run you know, three knees and, and boom, we're out of here. And then on the second knee, we, we kneel it with like 15 seconds left on the game clock and i'm like i'm like did we just screw up massively and then you know we take the last knee with 33 seconds left 35 seconds left they still have a timeout needing a i mean they needed yeah they eight points still right yeah yeah i mean we i guess we could have kicked a field goal mm-hmm. or, or whatever but like even then yeah
0: that's why they didn't because you all were in field goal range but i mean that can be blocked and returned exactly return.
2: like it's the it's the it's the season it's the divisional playoffs yeah. like there's nothing there's no point in, like saving that timeout like it got to the point where I was convinced the graphic on the scoreboard was wrong. They, like they didn't actually have a timeout, and they were, and they asked him about it afterwards. And you know the, the Buccaneers coach was talking about like, yeah, we, we we still would have. You only had like twelve seconds left to get the ball off to the field. I'm like, S- why, you know, why not take that chance? I mean, look at the Bills game for instance. A field goal could yeah, be missed. It makes. I mean, people take timeouts when when you're just kneeling, regardless. Let, let alone when there's you know. A, time to get the ball back it made absolutely no sense whatsoever I was kind of like I was like hesitant to celebrate when we took the last knee I'm like the only thing I could think of and I don't know maybe it did happen but like I don't know if if Bruce Arians like communicated somehow or I mean not not Bruce Arians Todd Bowles if he communicated somehow that like we're not going to call time out and that's why the lines like just Need it early in the, in the game clock, because so, it it made no sense on either side. Oh, I would take a lot of trust, right? It was super, yeah. I mean, it was super strange to see the Lions just like not using the clock right, and then to see the Bucks not taking advantage by by using their last time out. I was like, is this? It's a weird. G-. It was like it reminded me of the here's another NCAA tournament reference when in the Elite Eight with Florida State a few years ago. Like Leonard Hamilton, they're down four with like twenty two seconds left, and he just doesn't foul. And after the game, like. And he got asked, "Why would you not foul? Like, you still have a chance to win that game." And he's like, the "Game was over. What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Not, not, not really. Like, we see games and with weird stuff all the time. Uh, you know, kids, college kids are college kids. They may miss some free throws, They may turn it over. You have to at least try." And it was just very, very strange to see. But wasn't complaining. Celebration was on. Uh, we were going nuts. It was, it was just awesome. It was, it was very, very fun. And then got a chance to watch the the great Chiefs Bills game. It was like watching, uh, you know. A full weekend of college football after your team already wins. It was a very, very enjoyable just to sit back and, and watch two guys slug it out and see the Bills fall on their faces in dramatic fashion again. Taylor Swift versus Lamar Jackson next week. The final battle it was always going to be this way. It's- you know, forget Taylor Swift. I need more Jason Kelsey in my life. So many people have sent me the the clip of Jason Kelsey roaring with the shirt off, or just the picture, and said like, that
0: beer can that looked like it was about a
2: eight ounce can. You look like under the giant holding yeah, a beer exactly. can. But like people have sent me that image, being like, "This is me when Kenny Payne gets fired." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "It's it's very good." But it was a great weekend of football. It also served as a perfect distraction here for the first half hour of the show. If you have no interest in it, my apologies. We will get to Louisville after the break. We'll talk about this Wake Forest game. We'll talk about uh, Kenny Payne's starting lineup. Talk about his post-game comments. All of that fun, fun, fun stuff is coming your way next here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 the Big X. Check
1: my nails, baby, how you I got the moves. I got the moves. I'm making moves. You got to move. You got a move. She made that back move.
2: Made it t- I-, I made the city move. Like, I made the city move. I got the moves. I, make move. I got the moves. Monday dish, the Mike Show, move. rolling on here on 1450 and 96.1 It's the Big X. Uh, distracting talk there about the NFL because we all knew what was coming up next. Uh, let, let, let's, let's get into it. Here's the thing. So for the last couple of weeks, both on the radio show, and on the podcast, and basically the other 17 billion places where you can hear me say things, <laughs> I've been talking about how he kind of feels like Kenny Payne is straight up trolling the entire fan base. And sometimes it feels like he is directly responding to things that, that like we're talking about on the radio show. And namely, the fact that he keeps playing his son at "Quote unquote critical times." I'm using air quotes because we're ne- never really like close enough to have actual critical times. <laughs> but critical times in big time games. We we, we see Zan Payne go into the game, and everyone's kind of like, "Jesus!" Like we're already pissed off already because the way the team's playing and some of the things that we've been doing and the starting lineup that had Hersey Miller and Danilo Yovanovich, and, and why are we doing this? And then Zan comes in, and it, it, you, you can almost hear him thinking internally, like, oh, this is going to piss him off. Oh, <laughs> oh, rubbing his hands together in the back of his mind. I can't wait to read Twitter after this. This is going to be fantastic. And it's been, like, I'm 99.5% joking when we say these things, because surely to God, Kenny Payne's not just a, a troll he's not just a uk plant he's not just doing this to secretly piss all of us off and then we get to saturday afternoon and i see it about 11 50 i guess it was uofl the official twitter account releases as they always do the five stars for for the upcoming game and there's no hersey miller there's no Danil yovanovich so we're like okay right track then he's learned right yeah the last couple of games, we've actually gone kind of shot for shot with with good teams, Carolina and NC State, but we've dug ourselves this massive hole because he's playing two guys that he just refuses to play the rest of the game because they're not giving us anything. It just it makes no sense. Why would you start a player and play them for, for four or five minutes and then take them out if they do nothing and we're in this massive hole and then just not put them back in the game? Makes no sense. So they're both out. Cool. Trey White played well against NC State last game. Played well against North Carolina. He's back in. Makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And then I see the fifth starter. And it's Zan Payne. It's his son, who's played, I think, 35 years of college basketball, was a walk-on at UK, played hardly at all, was was kind of a human victory cigar at UK. I think he appeared in, like, seven games total and scored maybe four points. Played some meaningful minutes last year on a 4-and-28 team. And and even then, it was like, why are we doing this? But we're 4-and-28. Who cares? And this year has kind of filled that same role. Actually, played less at the beginning of the year than he did at the beginning of the season last year. Has never shown really like a a propensity for anything on the floor. And that's not—I'm not trying to be mean. He's just—he—he looks like a coach's son who's a walk-on who who, you know is only playing here because his dad's the coach. And cool, maybe he wants to be a coach after this and he learns. But he's never going to get any meaningful minutes, right? Like that's the way it should be. Or experience with in
0: terms of being a coach.
2: <laughs> Ideally, though, he wants to try to, to learn. We've seen this story before. And, you know, like Izzo's son gets in at the very end of a game, a blowout, and Izzo's crying on the sideline. But he doesn't play in meaningful minutes in a game that actually matters. That's not part of the, the equation. So Zampane starts against Wake Forest. Starts against Wake Forest. And for the first time, like, I'm starting to, like, I'm starting to genuinely, this is like a, I've been red-pilled as people say. I'm starting to genuinely believe the conspiracy theories that are out there. It's no longer a joke to me. If you told me 20 years from now that Kenny Payne was this UK plant who was just trying to screw with us this entire time, I all the signs are certainly there. Nothing else makes any sense. He says after the game that he thought that Zan could give us some good defensive minutes, playing good defense, something like that. Zan gets out there and I hate even talking about this, but this is the position that Kenny Payne has put us in. Zan plays terrible defense. Like, like he's he's not guarding the perimeter. He's taking the worst charge attempt that I've ever seen in my entire life and giving up a wide open layup. You know the Andrew Carr kid for Wake Forest, who's a pretty good big man, crosses him up so badly twice on one possession that he almost falls down both times. He's looking. You know the the game starts. There's no whistle for the first like nine minutes of, of the game. We make it through the. Under-4 timeout, the under-16 timeout, no whistle. We make it to the under-12 timeout. There's still no whistle, so they have to have two breaks after that. But, you know, everybody's looking a little gassed. Zan looks like me out there at that point. (laughs) Like, like Zan looks like he's about to die. Like, he's... After the first, like, five possessions, his his hands are on his shorts. Like, he's not moving very well. He's kind of jogging up and down the floor. And it's not just laziness. It's because he cannot find that next gear. What are we doing? Like, this is not... It's not fair to the kid because, of course, he's been openly criticized since the game, and it's on his dad for putting him in that situation. There's no excuse for to play Zan Payne in that game. There's no excuse, certainly, to start him in that game and play him for the first 10 minutes and then start him in the second half after you've gotten your ass handed to you already in the first 20 minutes. And putting him in that position just opens the floodgates for him to be talked about more than you. It's like, you know, if, if this is an ultimate troll move by Kenny Payne to try to distract some of the attention from himself, I guess mission accomplished because Zan Payne was trending on Twitter the entire day. Like, like, Zan Payne was like the number six trending topic during the game. And like five hours later, with NFL playoffs and much more important college basketball games going on, Zan Payne is still one of the 30 most talked about topics in America on social media. Like, that's, you put him in that spot. What? What are you thinking? Uh, Unless it really is him being like, oh, I can't wait to read the replies to this one. I live off of your tears and your angry tweets. Every time you use the F word on social media, it sustains me. It only makes me more powerful. Unless that's what's happening here, there's no logical explanation for giving him significant minutes in a game against a quality opponent on the road where you're looking to try to restore some of the faith that your fan base maybe had in you a little bit earlier in the year. There's all this talk recently about they're playing better. Maybe they've turned a corner. They beat Miami. They had some moments against North Carolina. They were right there against NC State. They're certainly getting better. Maybe they can parlay this into some actual meaningful wins. Maybe this can save your job. And then you go out and you start Zan and play him double-digit minutes against Wake Forest. And in case you're wondering how it went, he had no stats besides one personal foul during that time. It's just like, you know that everyone's going to go nuts over this. If you don't, how do you not know? I I just, Scoots, in a time period where for the last 22 months, I I felt like I've been insane this entire time. Every time something gets said, every time I see this team do something that I've never seen them do in my almost four decades of following Cardinal basketball, this may have been a new level on Saturday where I was like, I I just, there's zero explanation for what we're watching. Yeah, I mean... I guess who you would want in there over Zan's not even important at
0: this point. For me, it was – I hate to hear that he got all that heat and people were talking about it on Twitter because it's – for me, that wasn't the issue. The issue was – and this is something I've seen out of Louisville all season long, but when he took that charge and you had Huntley Hatfield standing right beside him. Nobody picked him up. They didn't Huntley Hatfield stared right at him and then just started jogging down the court. What are we doing? Is there some sort of trickle down effect these guys don't like Kenny Payne and therefore it's getting deflected onto Zan Payne? I just I don't understand that. In what world do you not put a hand out
2: and pick your teammate up? It's not just Zanny. They've been doing this. This has been a thing for two years. Exactly, yeah. Nobody –
0: The positive touches are very little with this Louisville team.
2: Nobody helps each other up. Nobody congratulates each other. N- nobody – like, we don't – we're the only team that I ever watch in power conference basketball that, like, never huddles during mm. games. Like, you have other like, – like, our guys are, like, openly walking out of other teams' huddles after there's a, a foul or some sort of whistle, and it never dawns on them, like, hey, maybe we should do that. Every other team that we're playing is doing this, and they all seem to be a lot better than us. It, it – like – I did notice that, and it was kind of like, eh. and, and there is something to that. Like that really irritated me. And I'm—I mean, I'm not, a me Lu- a I'm not even a—I'm not even a Louisville fan. But I just, as a
0: college basketball fan, when you see that type of behavior, I mean, there's not another team in the country that wouldn't extend a hand and pick that guy up.
2: It's awful basketball culture, and it's how you, at a place like Louisville, can have ten wins in almost two seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just like it's—it's it's part of it. Like that stuff does matter. And every time that I say that, there's some people who are like the. The, watching the bench and, and the intensity there is overblown. I'm like, okay, well, watch the NCAA tournament and see the teams that play the deepest and watch – how their team camaraderie looks compared to the teams that get blown out late in the year and don't make the tournament. Watch what the bench intensity looks like on the best teams in America. Like Watch more college basketball, and you'll see the best teams typically have that culture. They do the little things. They have those intangibles, and it's not just a coincidence. It's not. like that's When we've been at our best, our benches have been into every game. Guys are helping each other up. They're always huddling. The coaches are always coaching, as opposed to just like, we treat this thing like a chore. We treat it like, oh, we have to play basketball again. It's like working on the weekend for these guys, and it's, a, it's been repulsive to watch. And also repulsive to watch was our perimeter defense once again. We said this on, on Friday show. You know, Louisville, despite the strides that they've made on offense, despite you know, the, the, I think they're playing harder than, at times than, than they did like the last year, certainly in, at the beginning of this season, they're never going to beat anybody of any consequence unless they start defending somebody their only hope of winning, and it's what we saw against Miami, is just letting a three-point shooting team take wide-open shots and just hoping that they have a terrible shooting night. And we got that with Miami. I think the injuries also helped us in that game. Going up against Wake Forest, who is the best offensive team in the ACC coming into this game, and who also you know, kind of makes their living behind the arc, to allow them to shoot just wide-open three after wide-open three, you know, Kenny Payne called it a special performance. It wasn't a special performance. Any really good shooting team, if you leave them that open consistently for 40 minutes, is going to knock down like 16, 17, 18 threes. And that's exactly what Wake Forest did. They came up 1-3 of tying their program record in a game. We gave up 18 threes for just the second time in the history of our program. The other time, by the way, was an 18 of 27 performance against West Virginia where we came back and won that game. Because we were good at basketball then and because also we adjusted in the second half and said, I don't care if Mike Gansey is standing at the logo, we're running at these dudes. We're going to force them inside the arc and you know, beat us with twos. And they kept scoring at a high rate, but we had some fantastic players and some fantastic coaches, and we beat them in overtime. This game, I mean, Wake Forest actually shot a worse percentage than West Virginia did in that game, and it was never competitive whatsoever. We were shooting above 50% for most of that game and down by 20 the entire time. <laughs> Which is, it's damn near impossible to do. No defense, no rebound. That's you know, it's how you can shoot fifty-two percent midway through the second half and be losing by twenty-six points. I mean, you got Josh Pastner out there being like, "This is one of the best that I've seen Louisville play this year." And I'm like, "We're down by twenty-six to a fringe NCAA tournament team. This is hell." Like, again, I keep saying it. It is hell. Like there's, there's just no excuse for it. We're so bad, and we never change anything either. It's not like I said this uh, last week after the the NC State game, the, the book's out on Mike James. Like teams are going to run him off the three point line and just dare him to beat them in, uh, with, with pull up jumpers and, and going to the basket. And to his credit, against Wake Forest, he did just that. Like like he w- he scored I think ten of our first twelve points, and it was all in mid range stuff, all around the rim. But Wake Forest was selling out to not let him take open threes. That was their game plan. We a team can make 17 threes against us and we're still just going to let them catch and shoot it's warm-ups against us every single time that we're on the floor it makes no sense to me whatsoever and for wake it's a game plan like they they are the 23rd best team in America when it comes to allowing field goal uh, three point field goal attempts per field goal attempt from their opponents like they just do not let teams take open threes that's their game plan they're like if you're going to beat us inside Cool. If you're going to beat us with a mid-range, cool. But we're not going to let you beat us with threes. So we only attempted 11 threes in this game. Mm -hmm. We made two. We, I don't think, have a defensive philosophy. So we kind of just stand around. And if you want to beat us with backdoor cuts, cool. You want to beat us with wide-open threes, cool. We have no idea how to defend a high ball screen. You want to slip it, we're going to let you go right to the basket unimpeded. You want to have a guy pop for a three, cool. We're not going to guard him. Both of our guys are going to go with the ball handler every single bleeping time. (laughs) It's just so, like nothing is, you can say that things have gotten better offensively. You can say that the culture has gotten a little bit better. You can say that guys are playing a little bit harder. The talent, I think, this year is better than it was last year. Defensively, nothing has gotten better. In fact, the the metrics say it's gotten worse. We are worse at points per possession right now than we were at this time a year ago when we were 2-16, and, and arguably the worst power conference team in the history of power conference basketball. What is we, the points per possession? god it's it's above one it's like 116 something (laughs) something like that it was 119 this time last year i saw it at boaches column which we can talk about in a second but it's it's just unbelievable to me that we can see this on a nightly basis and have nothing ever change scoots they just don't guard anybody i mean wake forest had 31
0: field goals 18 of those from three meaning they had 13 two-pointers like that—that's unbel- I don't—I don't know if I've ever seen that. That's my Hoosier education. Thank you very much. But I don't—I don't know that I've ever seen that before. No. I mean, that's a lot of threes to not very many twos, and he still won by twenty-five.
2: But they've gotten—they've I mean, got shooters all over the floor. They yeah. brought back the C.J. Monsanto kid who had not played and all of, year. Of course, he goes crazy. He—he well, he, he went crazy because look, he scored twenty. He was a leading scorer against us last year. Scored twenty-one points. I think he made five threes in that game. That's like what he does—is just catch and shoot threes mm-hmm. and he comes into the game <laughs> you'd think we i know he hadn't played all year but you'd think that we would have the scouting report since he quite literally lit our ass up in the only time we only time we played him last season and we let him catch and shoot catch and shoot catch and shoot and he knocks down three threes like you know th- that's kind of their whole team like they have dudes who can shoot it the car kid um i mean all five of their starters made at least one three yeah. seven players on their team Made at least one three. That's what they do. Like you have to know that going in, and we just came at them with the defensive approach of, I don't know if they can make wide open threes. It just <laughs> it's. I don't think we, we we scout. I don't think we have a scouting report. If they if we do, the players certainly don't listen to it because we like we weren't prepared for Bellarmine backdoor cuts the first time we played them. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just I just don't get it. Like, it, it nullifies all of the good things that we've been doing on offense. I mean, I think Sky Clark is playing better. You're seeing certainly Brenton Huntley-Hatfield is showcasing why a lot of people thought that he could be an NBA talent. Trey White actually has played, is shooting the ball better, which has been good to see. The one thing that I'll say about Zan starting, because you can say, well, it's just kind of a throwaway. Who cares at this point? If you're trying to retain members of the freshman class, which if it's Kenny Payne or whoever next year, You want, I think Curtis Williams back. You want Caleb Glenn back. You you want Tyler Johnson back. Like this has to piss them off a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know, I mean Curtis has been getting big time minutes and he's been putting up some solid numbers the last few games. And his defense is bad, but it's I mean he's still better than Zan Payne defensively. Like that's gotta piss him off. Caleb Glenn is a workhorse. Like his talent level, his his skill level is not quite up to par. If you're talking about a guy who should be a big time producer in an ACC program. But, my God, he plays his ass off. And he plays the same position that Zan's in there starting at. Like, that's – it pissed me off. And, honestly, Danilo, for as little he's done, I'd still be like, okay, well, I'm, I, I can do what Zan's doing out there, for God's sake. Like, let me, <laughs> let me keep going out there. And, like, I can make layups. I can at least be longer than he is and bigger than he is. Like, like, what is Zan doing that I'm not doing? It just has to be – I mean, he ended up – I said 10 minutes earlier. He played 17 minutes. 17 minutes. Yeah. No stats. Yeah, 17 trillion. One foul was it, like that's. It's got to be frustrating for a lot of people. And if you're looking to to build team chemistry and have these guys come together for some sort of common goal, I can't imagine that that's going to help. It was just, it it felt like if the last couple of weeks were steps forward, which I, you know, if they were, I think that they were minimal. This was a massive, massive step backwards.
0: Well, I mean, even Hersey Miller played five minutes and had a put up three shots and got a steal. He play
2: and Hersey plays hard. He's yeah. he's not great. He's not. He's not the caliber player that we should expect at this level but we knew that when we got him. He I mean he could barely get on the floor at uh, at Tennessee State before he got hurt and then transferred to Xavier as a walk on. Like he was the answer as like the secondary ball handler last year and I just I didn't get it then I don't get it now but he plays hard uh, and so at this point I'm all in favor of playing kids that that play hard. Mercy's tearing it up. Mercy's good. He's going to yeah. Houston. He's he, he's real good. Um but they, like this was just the latest embarrassment in a long string of embarrassments, and it was a sign that I don't mean I don't know if we had hope for this team winning five six games in February, and I, and I did, and I still think they have a chance to do that. This was a hit to that, and Kenny's post game comments just again talking about Zan and talking about you know what this team needs to do better and and all this stuff. It just Twitter
0: wasn't filled with a silly comment that he said in the post game, at least
2: it wasn't. No, he did talk to to Rick Bozich, The only person that he actually does talk to is, is Bozich, about like what this team can fix moving forward. And he highlighted some things. He never says how he's going to do it, but he <laughs> ta- he does talk about like realizing that there are some things that are lacking. He said the first thing is transition defense, making sure that we get back, build a wall, don't give up easy layups and easy threes in transition. I think that's vital. That starts everything. Some of that probably could be attributed to bad shots or turnovers or relaxing. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) We score, they come back down, they get a wide-open three. Two, I think defensively the communication part for me is the big one. Along with the transition, there are the times on the court when two guys are coming together and they should talk, out a switch, or if they're going to stay. Neither one is saying anything to the other and they're going with one man leaving the other guy open. That's a problem, thank you. We've been working on it from day one, but we have to get better at that and I have a bunch of guys that are young. Here we go. And the hardest thing to do is in the game is communicate, to talk, especially if you're in your DNA has always been to be a quiet kid. You've got to be able to get out of that and communicate to your teammates loudly and early that we can react. If we could just clear up those two things, transition and talking to each other, we will be a lot better defensively. We've the kids for everything else at various times. Now it's that they're, just, that they're not talkative enough. They're, they're, they're quiet kids. We went, f- we went from having bad character kids to kids that are just too quiet. That's on him. Can't, I mean, Kane doesn't talk to anybody. So it's, yeah, if, if you're upset about communication. Maybe start looking in the mirror. Maybe start. It starts with you, but yeah, transition defense. He's like, we can't relax. No bleep. Yeah, we we know. Like guys are just jug. Jo- we had Trey White uh, or not Trey White, Mike James, who has been playing great. A couple games ago, knock down a three. Start talking crap to the bench and watch his guy go down there and score a layup right before he can, can turn around. <laughs> Maybe stop that stuff. I mean, I I, I just it, I, again like the whole the whole theme of both just call him and the theme of Payne's comments. Because Boge is like, the cleanup on aisle one begins Tuesday night. like It's like basketball team that has been doing bad, bad, bad basketball things for the last two and a half months maybe can start doing some good basketball things soon. It's like, no. <laughs> like, they're, they're not good. They're, they're bad. They're terrible. And they're going to keep being bad and keep being terrible because they have no idea what to do. He talks about needing to communicate. They don't know what to say to each other because they have no idea what to do. Like Maybe work with them on how you're going to defend the high ball screen. If you want to fight through everything, fight through everything. That that way you there's no risk of both guys going with with one of the players and leaving a shooter open on the perimeter. If you want to ice the ball screen, ice the ball screen. Like they don't talk because I don't think they know what to do. It's so apparent that we have no clue what exactly we're attempting to do on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense, communication is like yeah, it's vital, but I don't think they know what they're supposed to say to each other. Because we, we like we don't do the most basic thing. We don't get in good defensive stances. So we don't open the hips. We don't come out with high hands at shooters when they're open on the perimeter. We don't, like, know when not to help. Like, this is all, like, it's grade school stuff. So, communication, yeah, it needs to be better, but they need to be able to know what to communicate. Like, every time we talk, I'm like, I just don't think that we, like, <laughs> I don't think we know what we're doing, ever. And it shows, because we are... What are we now in, in adjusted defensive like 248 in adjusted defensive efficiency? Oof. It's atrocious, and it's not getting any better. I don't. Yeah, it's bad. And then you watch other teams play, and you're like, oh, it looks like a different sport entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike James had a good offensive game. Trey White, like I said, had a good offensive game, made seven of eight shots. Um, Brent Huntley Hatfield is still battling inside, at least on offense, and, and showcasing his ability. But like, none of this stuff matters. Like, it, it matters that. Maybe against Georgia Tech and BC and Notre Dame, if we want to scrounge up five, six wins, have a five and 15, f- 6 and fourteen year in the ACC, and maybe be like the thirteen or fourteen seed in the conference tournament, yeah, like we we can probably beat those teams playing that way. But we sure as hell can't beat Wake Forest. We sure as hell can't beat Carolina. We sure as hell can't beat, uh, you know, I mean, even NC State. Some of these other teams. We won't beat Duke on Tuesday. I know they're coming off of a, a loss to Pitt, but we won't beat them playing this way. And just it, it's. It's sad. I'm ready for something else. I'm ready. John, I mean, at least you got your lions. At least I've got my lions. DePaul, by the way, did fire Tony Stubblefield today. He's available. Bring Tony home. Actually, <laughs> bring Kenny home. Bring Kenny to DePaul. Maybe we can get. Maybe we can make that happen. DePaul, by the way, who beat us by seven on their home floor and led by as much as sixteen and then went on to lose, I believe, seven games in the Big East by 25 points or more. They have not won a conference game. They're 3-15, and 15, and Tony Stubblefield exits with a 2-0 record against Louisville during his time there. There you go. Uh, they, they, By the way, they won one game after beating Louisville, which was Chicago State, who they beat by fewer by, by 12 points. So long, Tony. Let's take a break. When we come back, you guys on the Thornton text Line. It's your turn to have at it. 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Here on a Monday on 1450, the Big X. I got the moves.
1: I got the moves. I'm making moves. You got a move. You got a move. She made that back move. She made the tooth move. move. I made the city move. I made the city move. I got the moves. moves. I got the moves. I got the moves. I'm making moves. I'm making moves.
2: here the Mike Show, 1450 and 961 Big X. For those who've been asking, yes. I've, I have have once again announced my candidacy for the DePaul men's basketball head coaching job. You don't want to just wait a couple months and no. take the Louisville gig? No. I, I want DePaul. I, I've wanted it for years now. I've openly campaigned <laughs> for it for years. And my longstanding guarantee still, still stands. Yeah, so, DePaul has finished last or second to last in the Big East, I believe in 14 of the last 15 years, which is remarkable. I will guarantee that DePaul, under my watch, will not finish last in the Big East. And if they do, I'll coach the year for free. That's the, wow. Mike, Rutherford, that's the, Mike, that's the Mike Rutherford guarantee. We're not finishing last. If I do, I don't need any money. I'll have the, I'll have the, the coaching staff of a lifetime, the website, my fans of the show can you i g- be one of your assistants yes you, everyone will help me run the team like Sweet. we'll we'll run it by committee you guys can pick like possession by possession what defense we play who we start it's it, it you know we'll make it fun it's gonna have to be a great time and we're gonna win at least like four or five big east games and not finish last well you know we'll knock georgetown down <laughs> i feel good about it uh matt brady who was at marist at one point i can't remember where else he i think he, he had coached james Madison. the red foxes yeah, go Red Foxes, love Marist, love the, the uh, MAAC. He coached somewhere else, too, as a head coach, I think somewhere in the CAA, now known as the, the Coastal. Um, but he is the acting head coach at DePaul, who, again, by every metric, is a worse basketball team than, than we are and just dominant. just kicked our ass in December, um, which was is super embarrassing. But it turns out you can fire a power conference coach in the middle of the season. Hmm. Hmm. Who knew? Who knew? I do see Kenny Payne is now trending again. So, I don't think he's been fired, but I'm sure he's trending. Maybe. I'm sure he's trending because because of the the Stubblefield job. And keep in mind that uh, DePaul was the only other program that at least contemplated hiring Kenny Payne. They ended up going with Tony Stubblefield, who was, I mean, if better than Kenny Payne, very slightly better than Kenny Payne. I think the only thing he's gotten is that he beat Kenny Payne. Well, he beat, uh, he beat Chris Mack once and beat Kenny Payne once. Kenny Payne's not trending for me. What the heck? I think it's, it's on like the personal. Like the, I've got Kenny Payne, I've got Time for Texts, I've got Keystone XL, and I've got Navy SEALs trending on the, the little what's happening page. I've
0: got Ryan Clark, Mr. Beast, and Ron
2: Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> we live different lives. Speaking of, uh, Scoots, what's your reaction to Ron DeSantis dropping out of the race? Um, Meatball Ron. I, I don't really have a take on that. I, I'm not a big
0: Ron DeSantis guy just because that. I don't know if you ever saw it, but he had the video. This was probably a year and a half or so after COVID. Then he walked in for a press conference, and there was three kids, probably ten to twelve years old, behind the podium wearing masks. And he walked up, and he was like, "Take those masks off. You don't need them." <laughs> so ever ever since then, I'm kind of like, uh, "He's he's kind of an ass." I don't I don't I don't care much for him. I do.
2: Love, I mean, politics aside, I do love the idea of like. It just from, from on a human level, I mean, like Donald Trump called Ted Cruz's wife like a, a horse face, he called, called her ugly, <laughs> and he still had to be like, "Yeah, that's that's the guy I'm voting for for president." He's been like, he's been he called Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron the last several months. But well, what did
0: he say about Colorado this weekend? He said if he's not on their ballot, he's
2: gonna do what? Yeah, I mean, he, like, this guy has he's called he's called you every name in the book, called you Ron DeSanctimonious, Sanctimonious. Just basically, he implied at one point that you were a groomer. Like the like a, a basically a pedophile, and you're, the the second that you announce that you're no longer running for president, you're like, yeah, that guy that said all those things, he's my pick, he's my guy. Like it's it just, it's so bizarre. I mean, imagine doing that in any other walk of life. If you call my wife ugly publicly, like we're, I'm never gonna support you for anything. Like we are mortal enemies at that point. It's like the worst thing you can possibly do, and you have other people who are like, I will vote for him for the most important office in this entire country. We live in strange times. So, so Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. Oh yeah, I mean that's 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 been known. Is that for is months. that wild or no? A- everything's what isn't wild anymore. I, mean, I we- mean, with
0: all the stuff he's dealt with since his presidency, and now he's going to be back on the ballot, and and odds are probably
2: going to win it. That. Yeah, I mean, he seems he, crazy. He might, and I mean, also crazy. We have two 80 plus year olds running free against each other for the second straight time that are wildly unpopular shouldn't nationally. in like when it comes to like, overall uh, popularity polls, like both these guys, like neither party wants them to be the nominee, and yet here we are.
0: If I can't run until I'm 35, you shouldn't be able
2: to run after you're 75. We need some sort of limits or just pass some sort of like cognitive test. Yeah. I don't know. There should be some rules in place here. I don't know what we're doing, anyways. As uncomfortable as those conversations are, and as much as like I know people are kind of cringing, it still is, I think, more comfortable than the Louisville basketball talk these days. I think people are still like, no, go on. Talk about Nikki Haley. Talk, talk about Trump confusing I mean, her with Nancy I, Pelosi. You know me by this point. I absolutely hate
0: talking politics, but I would almost rather talk politics than Louisville. It's better. Yeah. It's less divisive,
2: I think. Uh, <laughs> eh. <laughs> More Zan talk, anybody? <laughs> 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Reminder, Thornton's has the best deals all election season long. Uh, Thornton's hooking you up with the best deals at the pump, the best deals inside. Anytime you stop in one of these areas, 26,218 Thornton's locations. There's that many of them for a reason. Take advantage of the lower prices on gas by becoming a Refreshing Rewards Program member today. Do that and then text us at 502-414-1450. All right, ready for the text? I'm ready lot Te- of them. Texter says, uh, you're welcome for uh, those two great bets that I provided in my previous text, which was, bet your kid's college fund on the over of the Wake Forest team total and Hunter Salad's points. I don't know what either is, but both will probably hit. I think if you took any sort of Wake Forest prop bet, you probably would have made a ton of money.
0: Yeah, uh, looking at the box score from that game, I'm pretty sure from now on, for the rest of the season, I'm going to bet whoever, I'm going to look up the team's Louisville's playing. Look up who's shooting the most threes on those teams. I'm telling you, and I'm going to bet the three point overs for the first four guys on those lists every game from it's, here on out.
2: It's hundred percent the way to do it because yeah. we're not going to, you know, we're not going to mark him as a shooter. We're going to leave. He may not make them, but he's going to get off at least like five, six, seven threes. Yeah. If he's a guy who shoots about three or four a game, he's going to take at least five or six against us because we're not going to guard him. Texture says, "To Paul fires coach Sobelfield after a three and fifteen start. Why can't we? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where we are. It's weird." Texas, please tell me we're going to pull it to Paul after Duke Kerb stomps us.
0: Ah, they already had their opportunity, right? Would they mean? go back to that? I know we touched on that last week, the whole interim thing, but would they do you, would they readdress that well, you think?
2: I can't imagine. I I, I if there were I mean because we heard th- throughout December, mm-hmm. there was everybody heard rumors that hey, they're thinking about doing it now. Hey, they're, they're moving parts in place. And like I've told you, like there was 100% of a plan in place after the UK game to have an interim come in. That plan fell apart for reasons. I, I, I don't know exactly. But if they weren't going to do it then, which is when it made the most sense. And I, I know that Josh Hurd's conversation with Eric Crawford, he was not exactly committal about. like He didn't come out and say, like Kenny Payne's our coach for the rest of the year. He said you know he's our coach going into the new year. So theoretically, yeah, he's leaving the door open to fire him in the middle of the season. But I think if you made it this far, like it, it's not really that more embarrassing than it was a month ago, right? right. You, you you beat Miami, cool. We're still the worst team in the ACC. We're still the worst or second worst team in all of power conference basketball. It's still about as, as badly as it can, as bad as it can get. And Kenny Payne still is saying things at post game press conference that is that are humiliating the fan base. The fans aren't showing up for games. Like it, it's still terrible. I, I, if you if you weren't going to do it, then I don't know what the why you wouldn't just go ahead and give them the, the whole rest of the year. That's my thinking right now, especially when you've got an easier schedule in February. Like I, I don't think that, because to answer your question, it'd be weird to bring in the interim this late. Yeah. From outside. I mean, DePaul's doing it. Well, no, they're just promoting their assistant. Oh well, I mean, yeah, you. oh Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like my, you know, I I think the whole plan was, hey, we're only we're less than two months into the season. Let's just, the, the entire staff is kind of a cluster. Let's just get rid of everybody, clean the slate, and then have like a a fun three months of basketball, and then we'll move on from there. If you fired Kenny Payne today, you would have to just promote from within. And, you know, there's all sorts of people saying Danny Manning has, has no interest in being an interim head coach again. So that would leave Nolan Smith, I mean, or Josh Jamison, I guess, who, you know, we still don't know what he's doing here. Um, <laughs> And, like, that's not going to galvanize the fan base. It's it's not going to – I don't know. My guess is I, I think he will coach the rest of the season at this point. Unless things just get, you know, somehow worse. <laughs> and it does kind of feel like he's just trying. Like, if Zan Payne starts the next game, what do we do? Right? Because that's the, that's the most clear indication yet that he's just openly bleeping with us. I don't – I mean –
0: I don't know. See, my thing is, if if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm worried at this point because, say you do give him the rest of the year, which seems like that's what's going to happen, you still have no recruits for next season. No. So you're you're going to put that job on the next coach to come in, and not only have to recruit freshmen, but he's going to have to hit the transfer portal, and that just seems like life's going to be way too hard for for a guy coming in next
2: year. But I mean, that's also something that you cannot you can't fix that now anyway. Like if you fire him now what is that how does that change getting recruits like
0: you can't yeah i mean i guess either way there's not going to be momentum
2: and this is also because everybody keeps saying like now we're going to keep him for the two million dollar buyout drop that doesn't happen until march 31st you can't like you can't afford to wait those 17 days the portal opens i think what march 15th before then assuming we will play our last game at some point early in the acc tournament which i think is the the safest assumptions of all assumptions you can't afford to wait 17, 18 days before you hire your head coach unless you have some sort of unspoken agreement in place where, you know, hey, he's he's working behind the scenes and he's going to get ready to go. You've got to be out there just fully in the portal from day one if we're going to turn this thing around next year. And you've got to be recruiting your own team. If you want Brandon Huntley-Hatfield back for next year, if you want Sky Clark back for next year, if you want these freshmen back for next year... like. You, you you gotta be on it. And if we just sit around and we're like not firing Kenny Payne for three weeks after the end of the season, everyone's gonna know what we're doing. Like I, I don't think you can afford to wait those seventeen, eighteen days, however long it is, just to save two million dollars. So that's why I, I've never bought that as like a a a big nod in the direction of you've gotta keep Kenny Payne. It's why I was in favor of just cleaning house at the end of December. We had a two week break, it felt like the perfect time, and let's just try to to move on from this as quickly as we can. I, I think we're just kind of Gonna ride this thing out, and then I think we'll fire him in the middle of March. We'll not get that two million dollar drop in the buyout, and then we'll we'll hire who we're gonna hire and we'll move on from there. But it just I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Texture says, uh Danny nailed on the podcast, Payne has no redeeming qualities. He can't coach, he can't recruit. This weekend he showed he doesn't know basketball. He's clearly given up and is only staying on to enrich himself, his friends. And give his son a few more minutes of playing time that he wouldn't even be able to earn at a mid major. I don't want to believe that any of that's true, but my God, like it's the it's certainly the simplest explanation. I mean, I was talking to you know, we we had our babysitter over today at the, at the house after we picked up the kids from school, and she's you know, she, she's a UK fan, but she was talking about Boo. yeah, know, she, she's talking about. You know, I was telling her about Zan Payne playing and all this stuff, and she's like, "Well, he's probably just giving him a a chance that you know, he wouldn't have. He knows he's going to get fired, so like this is an opportunity to give his son like this this great moment." And I'm like, "He's getting paid millions of dollars to not do like things that openly give us a, a terrible chance of winning basketball games. Like that's not an excuse at this point. This is not a like this isn't a charity case program. Like it's just it's absurd. If if that and I'm not sure that that's not what's happening. You know, that he's just like screw it." I'm gonna play Zan.
0: I mean, maybe he's just trying to get him a better opportunity.
2: Hey, Zan, I'm gonna play
0: you 15, 20 minutes a game. You better ball out so other schools see you. He didn't even. I don't think he even touched the ball on offense. <laughs> Zan had no intention of balling
2: out. He didn't. He, like, That's not Kenny's fault. That's the rest of the players. Yeah, but, uh, it's not like there's plays being drawn up. Well, I mean, after two trips down, Zan I think was too tired to move, so he he, <laughs> could, he couldn't do anything offensively. I mean, I, I think I said this to was to Dave Skull on on Twitter after the news broke and like we're kind of reacting, everyone's reacting to the Zan Payne news. Everyone's like, my God. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? The more that I think about this, the more that I actually respect the move. I mean, I don't respect it from a fan standpoint who's watching my program just lose its soul. But if I was about to get just bleep canned, if I'm about to get fired, and I'm going to make millions of dollars. Like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make millions of dollars. But everyone's kind of being a D-bag to me about this, right? Like, people are saying mean things to me about this. People are just – they're being cruel to me. And they hate the fact that I'm going to get fired and, and, and make millions of dollars in the process. Guess what I'm doing? I'm playing my kid, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. I'm saying middle fingers. Like, in all honesty, I hate it. It's its terrible. It's an awful abuse of power. It also might be the funniest thing that a L coach has ever done. <laughs> it really might be. Like, it, it is – there is a cruel, macabre humor to what Kenny Payne is doing right now if, in fact, he's doing it on purpose. I don't think that he is. I don't think I don't think that he's that malicious. But my God, if you told me that he was, I'd, I'd believe it because it makes a whole lot of sense. It is hilarious to be like, I'm... I mean, if he plays Zan, if he starts Hersey, Zan, and Danilo <laughs> the next game against Duke at home... That solves any doubt, like that he listens to the show, he's openly responding to us. It's the most passive aggressive relationship that I've ever, I've ever been in, which is saying something like that will it'll no longer be a joke anymore. That's exactly what's happening if that happens on Tuesday, Texas Wake just hit a wide open three again,
1: yep.
2: <laughs> Texas says, I can't read that yeah, anytime you say that yeah, I, you probably can't read this, yeah, I can't read it. I'm sorry, <laughs> Texas, how likely is it that the n f l gets the chiefs into the Super Bowl? I really need a Lamar ring I'm is my friends were like, "Who do you who do we think that it's more likely that Lamar beats next week? The Bills, or the Chiefs." And I said Bills, just because Mahomes playoff magic. He just kind of has that thing about him, whatever it is. I mean, you know, say what you will about the Chiefs being corny and annoying, and, and you know they get every call and all this stuff. The man hasn't not been to an AFC Championship game since he became the starting quarterback. Yeah, that's there. crazy. It's insane. Six straight seasons. Six straight is unbelievable. Like he. There's something about him. That, you know, they're clearly still one of the most talented teams in the entire NFL. I know they've underachieved a little bit this year. But you've got him being very comfortable in that situation of playing in a conference championship game. You've got Lamar, who, like, I mean, we can say it in big games, whether it was at Louisville or in the NFL, sometimes he comes out, he's a little bit too juiced up and makes some mistakes early on. Uh, you can see that being the case on Sunday. He's never played in a game of this caliber. Like, I think it's a, it's a dangerous recipe. For, for for Baltimore, for sure. Like like Kansas City will come in very comfortable, and they're certainly good enough to beat Baltimore just straight up. So that should be such a fun game. I think it'll be great. Yeah, and I'm I'm concerned about it for Lamar. are both on Sunday. Both are on Sunday, I believe.
0: Hopefully, three and six again.
2: I know the Lions play the late game. They're at six thirty. Okay, I, I
0: like that start time.
2: Yeah, the the yeah the, the Chiefs play at three o'clock. We play at six thirty. I'll take it. I would be nervous, <laughs> but if Lamar. In a weird way, if Lamar wins, I'll, I'll I'll get a little bit less nervous for our game because I'll be like, well, at least I've got something to cheer for in the, the Super Bowl. But I, I really don't want to cheer against Lamar. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's a disaster scenario, but I have to do what I got to do. Texture says, uh, which U football road game should my friends and I plan on going to this fall? Notre Dame or Clemson? We're in our mid 20s if it makes a difference. Our current thinking is Notre Dame. Oh, no, Clemson. It's interesting you asked this. So we were in the same predicament. I guess we were in our late twenties, uh, ten years ago, going into the twenty fourteen season, and that was the last time that we played both at Clemson and in South Bend in the same season. And we ended up just going to both. <laughs> like you know, being being young and not having kids and and all that stuff. Like my wife and I we were like we're like we're just we're, we're going to both games. We're gonna make it happen, and it was great. Like they're very they're both very cool for very different reasons. Like Clemson is. If you want to experience SEC big time college football tailgating without actually going to an SEC tailgate, like Clemson, I think is as close as it gets. Like there's, I mean, just everyone's there early. It's a very big game environment. People are just drinking. They've got the the crazy setups with the big TVs and the tablecloths and all the stuff. And the stadium is massive. And you know the the greatest intro in college football, which I don't really agree with, but it's still cool to see in person. Like that's that's awesome. Notre Dame, you go there. It's very much more of like a like the better view, like there's not really a terrible seat in Notre Dame Stadium. Clemson, I've sat like the front, the, the very top row both times, and it's it's way up there. Notre Dame is is a little bit easier, but it's it's more about like history and and seeing all the cool stuff and just touchdown being, Jesus touchdown Jesus. The old you know the, the Notre Dame Stadium. I I would kind of like to go to this game because it was cool going there. In late November and we were there on senior day, so we gotta see like the marshmallow thing that the students do. But I would like to see it in September when you've got the like the, the yellow flowers on both sidelines and it's it's warmer and all that stuff. Um, like that would be a different experience. But if I had to if, if you're only doing one, I mean on one hand you'll have more opportunities to go to Clemson because we play them more frequently than, than we play at Notre Dame, even with the new schedule. But it's hard to pass up Notre Dame. It's an easier trip. I think that I would say if you haven't done either though, I would go Clemson, especially if you're in your your mid twenties. That's more of like a party, rowdy, like have a drunk, fun time.
0: I just wouldn't miss the opportunity to make fun of Dabo.
2: <sighs> yeah, well, you can call and him a crybaby. And we may, you know, this may be the year that we beat them. So I, both times I went, we had soul crushing losses. I went in 2014 and 2016, which were two just devastating, devastating losses. I was 2014 was was different because it was like we weren't, we were already, I think. It was it was Bobby's first year, and we were like three and one. We weren't ranked. I know that, so we were like, you know, we weren't a great team. But Clemson also was like two and two, so they weren't ranked. Like this was right before they got national title. Good. It was Deshaun Watson's freshman year, and he got hurt early in the game. So it was fun. It was a great game, and I was devastated that we lost. But it wasn't like national implications. And then 2016 was the famous Lamar versus Deshaun Watson game, where it was number three versus number five, and we were actually favored. And like just that was a that that was an all time good punch. And then I got lost me and i told mary the wrong way to go back to our car when we were <laughs> leaving and i was like yeah this is this is terrible it was bad um my I, I had to drive home like i was the only i stayed like somewhat i stayed sober enough through the game to be able to drive home like everyone else just kept drinking and it was just like i got friends passed out my wife's passed out i'm listening to Dab- Dabo in the post game say that they won because god wanted them to win and i'm like i just want to drive this car off a cliff it was terrible I woke up the next day just feeling so tired and having to drive back. And I wake up and I look at my phone and Rick Pitino goes, Did you go to the game? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. Yeah, I did, Rick. It was bad. Now I'm driving eight hours home. Texas says, I said that on January eighth, twenty twenty four, this program will reach rock bottom when he starts Zan Payne in a game. And it happened. We are now at rock bottom. Also, suck it, Scoots.
0: No, you suck it. <laughs>
2: Uh, it, it does feel like this was the one thing that he could do to have the whole fan base be like, is he really just screwing with us? And I, I, I'm starting to think more and more that he is just kind of screwing with us. And I, I guess it's a better explanation. Wouldn't you rather have people believe that you were doing this intentionally than like you just suck at your job? Oh yeah, absolutely. I always kind of got the sense when Petrino, the, the, the 2018 season, when it got so bad, I got the sense that after the first like four or five games, when it was clear that we were bad, like Petrino was like. I'd rather just everyone think that I quit than like I'm just not doing a good job. It's it's like if you're getting beat in a video game against your 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 friend, you're down like by fourteen, but you can see the writing on the wall and you just start like you go for it on fourth and thirty-four from your own. And you're like I don't even care about this. I don't even. Like, I think that's what Kenny Payne's trying to do. It's saving face a little bit. Like this would it be hilarious if I just like ran a fake punt on first and ten in this video game and your buddy's, like. Whatever, I'm kicking your ass. Anyway. I
0: mean, I'll go back to the impractical jokers guys, just sitting in their car. Now put Zan in the game. Oh wait, actually, start
2: Zan. It's how it feels. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't, don't, don't guard anybody. No, 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 no. Le- leave, leave, him wide open. <laughs> By the way, is Zan, don't take time out. Is Zan like really out of shape, or is he just a big boy? Why? I mean, why would you ask me that question and put me in that spot? Why, how are you going to put me that in, in this position? That's just a mean thing to do. What answer am I supposed to give to that guy? I mean I don't know I've never what do you se- want me to say? I've never
0: seen the kid play so I don't know if he's just a thick boy or if he's just not in good shape you don't have to answer I
2: was just curious he does not appear to be in great shape <laughs> I thought I was I thought my euphemisms were good at the beginning of the show when I was saying you know he looks like he's he was grabbing his shorts a little bit at the first like two or three possessions up and down he you know he's, he's doing all this this is the position that Kenny Bain put us all in. Like, I, I don't even blame Zan. I, I'm sure I don't know nothing about Zan Payne. I'm sure he's a very good kid. I'm sure he works very hard in practice. But when you start him and then you play him 17 minutes and your explanation after the game is, I thought he could do some good things for us defensively. I thought he did give us some good defensive minutes. Like, I saw the state of Louisville guys, they put together a, like a, a two minute video splicing together all of his just awful defensive possessions where he's. Like he's just not guarding guys on the perimeter. He's getting beat backdoor. He's he's looking terrible. And there were some people who were like, "That's just mean to the kid." And and you know, Larry O'Bannon was kind of calling him out and saying like, "That's just not nice." And like, while they may have a point, it's also the position that Kenny Payne is putting us in this position by starting him and then saying like, "I did it for defense." And it, it, like It feels like he's gaslighting all of us because we just watched his kid go out there and not guard anybody for 17 minutes. So we kind of have to fire back and be like, no, like you're sitting here trying to tell me that 2 plus 2 equals 7. Here's the evidence that 2 plus 2 equals 4. We're not crazy. Why are you doing this? And like, in the process, his kid is kind of friendly fire. And I, and I do hate it because I, I don't want to be sitting here talking. There's no reason for me to be sitting here on Monday, January 22nd in the middle of the season talking about Zan Payne. There's none. There's no excuse for it. There's no reason why he should be on any of our radar outside of him getting in at the end of a game and maybe making a shot because we're, you know, we're about to beat somebody by 15. That should be the only reason we're talking about Zan Payne or he's he's doing a great job bringing the energy on the bench and doing all that stuff. And instead here we are we're having to talk about this and it's his dad's fault. It is. Like it is a it's a mean thing to do. It just is. There's no reason for it and I don't know I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it's happening. Texture says um, the big z text from from krc I don't <laughs> did you at least see it it was awesome he looked incredible it was awesome i mean all i heard from people that like cover the team are it's not that big of a deal that he's he's not out like, he's not that good he looked like a freaking lo- lottery pick <laughs> it was fantastic going behind he's throwing like smooth ass behind the back passes in transition he's handling the ball he's knocking down threes like they may win it all because of this kid yeah i hate what what, what is happening like the, i really do think that Maybe I had to make some sort of deals with the devil, and they they used the, the Men in Black memory stick to wipe it from my mind. It's the only explanation for the Lions playing this deep in the, in the playoffs. The Reds looking like they're going to be exciting for the future, and Louisville doing what they're doing, and now Kentucky getting every single break. Like They shouldn't have Trey Mitchell. If Bob Huggins can just stay away from the sauce, they don't get Trey Mitchell. He's a difference maker for them, and now this kid comes along. He looks like friggin' Nikola Jokic. Like, <sighs> no way that keeps up, though, right? no way surely to god not. no way for my sanity it can't like i saw that i was like you've got because i saw everybody going crazy about him on twitter i wasn't watching the game and i'm like oh god like you know, here, classic uk thing the, the new big white guy comes in he makes a layup and they're all going nuts and then i see the highlights and i'm like you've got to be kidding me like, yeah dude, i was this is insane
0: i was sitting there watching it with gill and he was losing his mind it was and i classic mean i was Gil. i was too and i'm not a kentucky fan it was it was just such a cool moment seeing that happen. It
2: was, I hate to say it, it, it was cool. If, if we were in the exact same situation where we had a guy that'd been held out by the NCAA and we all wanted to see him and uh, you know my my thing the whole time was like why do they even care this much? Like he's not going to help the team. Exactly. I'm, I'm I had the same mindset, yeah. And then he gets in there and he's I mean he, he looks like freaking Dirk. Like uh, I was <laughs> like are you kidding me? Like I mean I would have been going nuts too if I'm them. Like that that's totally justified behavior, but god, like they don't need him. Send him our way. Give, give us big z where's our big z our, if you could take I, maybe his hand is big z I, I did like somebody i think it was uh it was keith pointer who was like i think that kenny got confused by all the free big z stuff all, all over town all the hashtags he saw it thought and it just was zan. thought that people were clamoring for more <laughs> zan i'm like that, that's a better explanation than the one that i've got which is that he's getting paid millions of dollars to just screw with his fan base have i have
0: have i asked you the question yet about who you would take from kentucky if you could take one player one player? One. You could take one guy from Kentucky and add him to Louisville's roster. He I'll
2: be. I, I mean, I'll be perfectly. I don't think one player changes us that much. <laughs> can I take one coach? Um, no. If I could take no. Nope. If I I'll g- give you two players, okay. How about that? Give me. I want Rob Dillingham. Okay. And then, I mean. The thing is, like, we need a big because only yeah. Huntley- those are only big, and I, I, I mean, I guess Trey Mitchell. I have no idea. I, I don't trust Kenny Payne to use him the right way at all. <laughs> like, I would love Aaron Bradshaw, but I don't trust Kenny Payne to use him the right way at all. Um, I mean, we could, we could use Reed Shepard, but I feel like you have to have a system for him to to. It's like no, he, no, he he doesn't need no system. But like, but I, what I'm saying is like he like resets everybody. When everybody gets out of control, he's kind of yeah, like that's true. But like we're always out of control, and then when we do get set, we still have no idea what to do. So I don't like I don't think that Reed Shepard would be able to to do anything uh, with us. Like I would love to have him. Don't get me wrong. I mean I'll, I'll say hell, Dillingham and Mitchell. But I don't like I, like, I don't. That's good answer. I don't even think that they would make us that much better. <laughs> like is, our our issues are not. They're not in, like our, our talent's not great. But our our talent is not six and twelve. Our talent is not one ninety eight or whatever we are in Ken Palm. Like it's better than that. Like this is this is a systematic thing. Like this is a it goes all the way to the top type situation. Just I get so sad every time we talk about this. I really do. Like every single day. I need to. And now it's gonna rain the rest of the week. It's gonna be like terrible. Like just, uh, it's gonna be awful. It's gonna be gross. Yeah. The the weather forecast that I saw. Which this is like, I mean, this is like seasonal depression. Just it's it's like their spring break, um, like they're having to like 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 put words in the the, the weather report saying like, hey, it's going to be kind of dry at least on this day. And I was like like, 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 like tomorrow it's rain likely. Wednesday it's waves of showers. Thursday it just says more rain. Friday it says briefly dry is the forecast. <laughs> briefly dry. Saturday rain late. Sunday lingering showers and then Monday it says near normal for a week from. <laughs> is It's is the best they could do. Near normal. That's how bad it's going to get this week. At least it's not going to be freezing. Yeah, I'd rather have a rainy week than below zero. Oh, it's just going to be sad. It's just it's it's raining in my. Sp- Thank God for the Lions. Who would think <laughs> again? Who would think I would ever be saying this in late January? Thank God for the Lions. If the Lions get beat this week, I don't know. I've got no pivot. We had U of L women losing to North Carolina yesterday too. Looking, you know, I know the refs kind of took over that game, but that was a you know now they're not in first in the ACC and they got bigger games coming up in the next month. I do like Jeff Walls' reaction to that, like comparing Walls' reactions to adversity to Kenny Payne's reactions to adversity. It's just like you know, it's, it's like one is is a Martian and the other one. Is speaking in a language that you can understand, like Walls is like, you know, I'm not even mad about it. Like, this team battles, we battle with them every day. Like, we're gonna come back, Like it's gonna be fine. Kenny Payne's like, I don't know what's going on. Not, I mean, that's it's just so it's bad. We'll talk more about it after the break coming up here 502 414 1450. Your text on the Thornton's text line. It's the Mike Rutherford show here on Monday on 1450 961, The Big X. Just a
1: If I could write you a song to make you fall in love, I would already have you up under my arm. I use the ball of my tricks. I hope that you like this, but you probably won't. You think you're cooler than me. You got designer shades just to hide your face. I hate this song. You wear Same.
2: I mean, you're cool the me. fact that he changes designer shades to, hey, to shades just to rhyme know, with I faces. I'm like, <laughs> how are we gonna let him get away with this? We as an American society needed to stand up and be like, "No, we're not. We're, we're not going to let this song play on the radio anymore." You and him have something in common, though. Oh God, what? You're both
0: Detroit strong. We're going with the Detroit theme again today, Mike Posner. It, it worked last Monday, so I figured I'd throw you a bone again. We'd give you another Detroit theme in hopes that they can find their way into the Super Bowl.
2: I yeah, I mean, he did the. Um what it's song He, he did the, took a pill on Ibiza. Yeah, took a pill on Ibiza, which was kind of like cute. that one better. It's kind of catchy. I, I like that one a little bit better. This song just sucked. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I was never big into this song. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah it was, whatever. Yeah. But
0: I'd never heard the Ibiza one, so I went with this
2: one. Mike Posner uh, went to Duke, by the way. Do you know that? I did not know that. He seems like a Duke guy, though. He's classic Duke. Did you yeah. see, did you see the picture and uh, all the co- the cool things that happened over the college basketball weekend? Another wild weekend in college basketball, yeah. by the way. The Duke losing at home to Pitt, a team that Sheesh. they'd blown out by forty, and and then seeing uh, Blake Henson get up on the scorer's table in front of all the camera crazies, and then like seventy five of them just giving the middle finger. It is like the the, the picture that the, the wide screen picture of that where it has. I don't know, probably like 150 students and him just standing up. Like, it is truly like a renaissance painting. Like you know, Somebody went and they they diagrammed and screen capped all the different people, giving him the middle finger and all the different faces. You could spend a day just looking at that picture and just seeing all the different things. It was great. Uh, that was pretty wild. What was the kid's name? I Blake Hinson. Yeah. I, mean, I think I retweeted the picture on Saturday, if you can scroll through oh, okay. my my wave of Lions tweets. And you, you, I'm sure you'll be able to find it there. But somebody did. I think I put it on News Notes today, too. Find all of the different. Like like little little snippets of guys just giving them the middle finger, which is pretty crazy. But it was a, another wild weekend in college basketball. See K- Caitlin Clark, I saw Caitlin Clark. What, what do you, what's your take on the Caitlin Clark? Because now it's a little bit of a debate. Yeah.
0: Um. So basically, I, I had watched it a bunch of times just to see if there was anybody at fault, and I ultimately decided that it it was just a freak accident. So that now I I'm on the side of there's got to be a change, right? I mean, somehow, someway, we have got to let the team get off the floor before we rush the floor, right? I mean, for safety, if nothing else. Because, I mean, think about the Indiana-Kentucky series when Indiana beat them when they were number one. If Indiana would have let Kentucky get off the floor before they rushed, Indiana and Kentucky are still playing every single year.
2: Yeah, that's also a Cal thing. Here, so... I said this last year in the, in the final four when there was the whole big like Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff going on. I, I said honestly, I think they're both annoying. Like like I I love watching Caitlin Clark play basketball. I think she's great for women's college basketball. Yeah. The ratings they had on Fox last week were terrific. I think she's annoying. Like I, I think that she she plays up a lot of stuff. I didn't like her you know, doing the whole like you can't see me thing against Louisville. I didn't like Angel Reese doing it to her in, in the championship game either. I think she pouts a lot and she tries. Like the other angles, it definitely looks like she she absolutely played it up. Like she did. Like like she she does the arm extent. She kinda runs into the the, the the Ohio State student a little bit and then does like this pirouette. It looks like my son when he gets like barely touched by by my daughter and then he like flops <laughs> back where he's like, Virginia kicked me I'm like, she did, <laughs> technically, but like you you didn't have to go down. Sod him up for soccer. God, he's he's in such a flopping air right now. It's 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 super annoying. I've got a couple of videos of it where he's like he like She, like, touches him. He, like, looks at me. He's like, ah! And then he, like, falls backwards and just goes down (laughs) and, like, throws himself on the ground. I'm like, come on, man. But she kind of did that. And then hearing her describe it after in the post-game press conference, when I guess she didn't realize that there were all these different angles of it. You know, she's like, I got totally blindsided. I didn't see it coming. I'm dazed. I'm like, yeah, it was – I I think she's playing it up significantly. And I think if it was, you know – First of all, if it was anybody else. Like we wouldn't be talking about it because it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I, I don't think it need. I don't think we need to change the way that court storms happen or anything like that. I mean, there's, you don't? No, I, I don't. I mean, the, there are ninety nine percent of court storms don't result in anything. Every now and then, you'll get like you know somebody will fall down and get stepped on, or you'll have an interaction between a, play, a visiting player and a home fan and stuff. And I, I think either you need to just be okay with that happening from time to time, or you just ban court storms entirely because no oh, we can't have that exactly it's 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 part of the game i think you just have to accept that every now and then there's going to be a, something a little bit like this and again like i don't think it was i think she i think she kind of played it up a little bit i do hmm. sorry that may be controversial i do
0: yeah that i mean that's pretty much word for word what tj thought this morning as well i just i don't know and then that for that girl that hit her, I, I think they were probably neither of them watching where they were going. But for that girl, once she turned around and saw that there was a player on the floor, she, checked, yeah. she did, what's the harm of going over? Yeah, and, hey, er, everything all good. Especially when you realize it's Caitlin Clark, then you better damn well better go over there and be like, hey, you all good?
2: Yeah, I mean that that was it. Like she had she had the camera up. She's doing the thing where she's storming and she's holding her phone up and recording it. and, yeah. and she's not paying she's attention. not paying attention at and, all. And, and, yeah, and Caitlin Clark kind of like, like you know, I mean kind of runs into her and then that's that. that's it now it's this international incident uh so
0: by the way you're right this duke picture is fascinating it's incredible i, I can't stop looking i know
2: at it. It, it was yeah it, it's <laughs> it, it's unbelievable That's it was the coolest thing that happened the entire weekend now greer's texting me like pitt's actually like good at basketball i'm like come on man <laughs> you guys still suck the entire acc just besides carolina is just not very good it's just not We are like three teams in the NCAA tournament Speaking of not being good, I'm sure we'll go back to the text line and talk about the Louisville men's basketball program. Falling to Wake Forest by a final of 90-65, uh, to 65. cards lose by 25. Really, it was not, not one of those where the score is not really indicative of how close it was and how good they were for stretches. It was a, it felt about a, like a 25-point loss for the entirety of the game. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Hit us up there, and we'll read your thoughts here on the show. Texture says... I'm guessing that Josh Hurd isn't allowed to fire Payne. It's getting to a point where Hurd may need to be fired with Payne if this isn't the case. How do you justify keeping this guy besides for the financial hit? It's just beyond comprehension why he's still roaming the sidelines. I've been pro-Josh for the beginning, but I'm starting to have doubts. I mean, this is... Let's make no bones about it. like This is starting to make Josh look bad. I, I think that he's aware of that. I, I think that he's... He, I think you just have to hope that it's a situation where you ride it out. And whenever the firing does take place, people kind of forget about the timeline and they're not going to hold it against you. Because, you know, at this point, if you fire him today, if you fire him in mid February, if you fire him at the end of the season, what does it really matter? You know, nothing's going to improve for this season. It's just a matter of, I think the fan base currently, it's like what I wrote a month ago we're at rock bottom. Nobody wants to be there. Everyone disagrees about what you have to do to get out of rock bottom and nobody's fine with just sitting there and just just sitting in it until you can finally start doing something. Everyone wants to act. Everyone wants to make this better. And so, firing Kenny Payne now probably doesn't change the road you have ahead for you, but it is like an indication of, I recognize that this is not Louisville men's basketball. I recognize that this is humiliating for the brand and the fan base and that we just, we can't let this stand without doing something. We can't just like, it, it's madness to keep going on and having this guy start Sam Payne and Hersey Miller and and Danilo and and get blown out and have him make a mockery of the program. So we've got to do something about it. Like that's but that's all it accomplishes. It doesn't change the fact that you have to nail the hire. And I think when we finally when we get to mid March, if that is when we fire Kenny Payne, people will kind of forget about hey you should have done this in, in January, should have done this in December, and it will now become you better get this hire right. But for right now, like Josh's name is kind of getting drugged with with Kenny Payne's a little bit. And I'm sure he knew that was going to happen. Whenever whatever decision was made in December was made to to not let him go then, I think Josh had to have known. That, like, hey, the longer this goes, the more people are going to make us synonymous and attach our names together, and that's going to continue until the day that Kenny Payne is gone and we make whatever move we're going to make. And And look, I think you also have, and we've heard this, in increasing amounts on the text line the last couple of weeks. You you have an increasing fear among the fan base that this season is going to it's going to wind up being another abject failure, a total disaster, and that he's still going to get a third year. The longer this goes, the more that I think there's a fear that like, hey, if he hadn't fired him yet, why isn't he going to give him a third year? Maybe 10 wins is good enough to get Kenny Payne year three and we're going to suck again next year. And this whole process of rebuilding and getting back to where we want to be is just going to be we're going to be spinning our wheels for another sixteen months.
0: If you're putting a percentage
2: on that, what is that? That pain comes back. Yeah, less than a, less than one percent, right? No, really, no. And, th- and this isn't like a scientific thing. This is just me saying like I, I I don't know. I know that there are are some people out there that want Kenny Payne to come back. There's some people with money that want Kenny Payne to come back. I think there are more people out there with money that are willing to say like you know. We can't keep doing this. Like I, I don't think that the, the group out there is the, the that that's saying we'll pull our money if if you know if you don't give them a year three. I, I don't think it's a majority or anything like that. I think I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough to sway that move just alone. So, but I think I think it's out there, and and who knows? I don't know what Josh Hurd's line of thinking is right now. I'll put it at like five percent. Man, if we get a year three from Kenny Payne, I'll pray for you in your show. There may not be a show. I don't, I, <laughs> Scoots, I can't do this for another year. It is pushing my mental health to the absolute brink. Because you think about it, like, I mean, two years ago, I thought it was as bad as it could get. Like, I, I hated coming in here. I, I had the same rant all the time. About, like, I hate coming in here and talking about, you know, getting rid of Chris Mack and, and who the next head coach is going to be and what Mike Pagise is doing and the turmoil off the court and the team keep, how they keep losing. And then it's been nothing but that since like we haven't had one even halfway decent stretch of Louisville men's basketball since I started doing the show. I can't do it for another year. I'm hey. not saying they have to be great next season, but if they're like if they're like 16 and 15 next year with a new coach who's playing an exciting style and they're you know they're doing the things that we wanted to see in year 1 from Kenny Payne that just showcase that this is going to work at some point in time, I can get behind that. I think everyone can get behind that. But I can't do another like, hey, they're 6-28, they're and 28, nobody cares about this, and nothing's getting better, and nothing's changing. I, I mean, I I really and truly, I will not talk about the basketball program next year if we have to do this again. That's what I was going to say. I won't say. do it. Yeah,
0: then just make it all football.
2: I'll, I'll, we'll do all football. We'll do all women's basketball. I will not mention the team on next year's show if we're in this exact same position 12 months from now. I won't. I can't do it again. I can't. I won't. Texture says, I think that Kenny – do you think that Kenny has the whole team in on this? Like, all right, man, Sky and Mike are starting. What's the funniest suggestion for the other three? The winner gets to skip practice all week. I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point. I'm really, really and truly starting to entertain this. So I've been listening to – I was looking for a new podcast like a couple weeks ago because uh, I haven't had, listened to a new one in a while. And I just went to like the most listened to of the year so far. And I started listening to Who Shot JFK? By because it had a lot of good reviews, a lot of people were listening to it. It's uh, Rob Reiner, yeah, and uh, Soldat O'Brien, and I'm like, okay, like this. It's one of those things where if you're if you're super into the J.K. JFK stuff, like you probably have, I'm sure you're pushing back on some things. and it's probably a lot of stuff that you already knew, but I kind of like I've always just sort of known the basics about that. Like you know, Lee Harvey Oswald accused of, of arrested for for killing him in Dallas after the parade. Um, you know, they, they said it was a, he was the only shooter. He got killed by Jack Ruby, the nightclub owner, in, in Dallas before they can ever have a trial, before he can ever speak his piece. And there's all sorts of, of of mysteries about who actually did it. But like, I didn't know any of the specifics. And I'm listening to it, and it is incredibly informative. And like Oswald's background about like his ties with the CIA, him traveling, knowing exactly how to get to Russia, and then going there and renouncing his U.S. citizenship and trying to like infiltrate russia while he's over there allegedly marrying a russian woman bring her back to like it's all insane but it is it's one of those where yeah when you look at the evidence how could you not think that something crazy happened here something that was different than the government story and i'm starting to think the same way with this with, with this kenny Payne thing again like if 20 years from now it comes out that this is the craziest college basketball story of all time and kenny Payne is in fact a uk plant we look at all the evidence and we'd be like how did we not figure this out earlier like this is of course like nobody can only win 4 games at a place like Louisville unless you're actively trying to lose 28 games. Nobody's going to start their son who's just who's you know couldn't start for any division 1 program and play him 17 minutes in the middle of a season in a game against a good Wake Forest team on the road. Of course he's he's screwing with us. It's so obvious. They they're not even trying to hide it. I'm starting to I don't know, I'm picking up uh, I'm getting big into conspiracies here.
0: I mean, not even just his son could could uh, Hershey Miller start on any D one program? Could
2: probably not. Javanovic? And the thing is, he, and he went out and got Danilo. There, there, was, there were hundreds of players in the transfer portal that he could have gotten. We had a couple of scholarships left to use, and he went out there and he was like, "I'm going to get this guy who had no recruiting rankings coming out of high school, didn't do, played in one game at Miami and redshirted, doesn't have a whole lot of like hype around his name. Let's get that guy into the program."
0: You think he maybe confused him with Danilo Gallinari? nothing
2: would shock me at this point <laughs> nothing would shock me at this point like if if that was the true story i'd be like ah, i buy it it's better than the alternative i guess <laughs> um text that did scoot spend his friday night watching legendary indiana basketball player dan dockage appear on the Lori ingram show i did not that's another guy i'm not a big fan of not a not a big
0: Dockage guy. I mean, nobody is, yeah, right? He's like, such a loser. It,
2: it, it's another one of those situations where it, it, that has to be like beyond politics. Like, I don't care if it's like you know you don't, you don't like the him working for OutKick and the conservative slant and all that stuff. Like, you've got to just be like, he's just an ass. Like, yeah. he, he he tried to fight Kenny Klein for God's sake. <laughs> if you try to fight Kenny Klein, you are a mortal enemy of mine in the entire athletic program forever. Oh, I
0: didn't even know that, but I agree.
2: Now, now I'm even more on Team Hate Dockage. calling out Damian Lee and Trey Lewis. Karma is a mother. And then your son also transfers from Ohio State to Michigan. Get over yourself. He's an ass clown. Always has been. Texture says, uh, oh my, my text didn't reload. Oh, my God, we have so many. Times. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more than I've ever seen. Texture says DePaul should go after Andre McGee. I'm ready to coach the team. Where's Andre these days? I think still in Kansas City. Hmm. I don't know where Andre is. That was the last i heard, but that was like three or four years ago. He may be back in town. I don't. I I can't imagine. I think out of all the people that have wronged Louisville or played a part in Louisville getting to where we are right now, do you feel like McGee is number one on the list of people who could just like never be, never be forgiven? I think he's got to be. Probably. Whether it's fair or not, that that he's like the most focal. like, Like like he is the face of all that's happened to Louisville basketball. I think he's. He's number one on the list, which is crazy because he was a pretty popular player when he was here. Was a point guard on some good teams and was popular when he's on the coaching staff. But I think he's the one guy. I mean, Katina Powell. I mean, she still lives in the city. She's you know she's she's not, she's not visible at all. But like, you know I, I feel like McGee would be the one guy if he like tried to come back in town and was like going to restaurants and stuff. People would be like, you you can't eat here. So he was last with Kansas or uh,
0: UMKC UMKC in twenty fifteen.
2: Well, he was then the scandal broke and he yeah. got fired but the last update like you know the ESPN did it outside the line story in like 2018 where he was driving ubers in Kansas City and the last Whoa. that i'd heard which was i want to say it was either right before the pandemic or right after the pandemic was that he was still in Kansas City but i haven't heard anything since then i know he was he applied for a coaching license to try to get in like as all disgraced former d1 coaches do try to get into the grassroots scene did he get a show calls of any sort he did um Initially, like, I don't think he can ever coach D1 again. Oh, really? But it, I mean, it would take years, it'd be a long time. But he, I, I would not be shocked at all if he gets involved in like some sort of AAU, EYBL. Like, you know, I think that's kind of his because Jordan Fair is doing that now and he's trying to get back in the coaching ranks. And it's, it's kind of the way what you do when you've had a national disgrace news story that's been your name's directly involved in. Texas Mike, oh, I've been waiting for this guy to text in. This is the Zan Payne guy. So many people hit me up on Twitter when Zan started and they're like, the Zan Pain guy called it. Remember the, the the guy who texts in and is like, this is gonna be a great Zan Pain game. He was saying it for the he Kentucky did. game. Yeah. He's like, you know, he knows the system. He's gonna, he's gonna he, he said this on on Thursday. Mike, this is the Zan Payne guy. I think we're in for a big performance Saturday at Wake from Zan. Confidence should be high after his electric tip-in. I forgot that he did score against North Carolina. Have to be disciplined against the C Forbes team. This is Zan. This feels like a Zan Payne game. And so Zan Payne guy texts in today and says, Mike, this is the Zan Payne guy. I hate to say it, but I told you that I felt like it was a Zan Payne game. I saw the confidence shift after his tip-in against UNC. You have to think that he matches up well with Filipowski on Tuesday. It's time to let Zan cook. All right, so, so Zan played 17 minutes against Wake. He did nothing in those minutes besides give up a ton of points and, and not, again, no stats besides one foul. Over under ten minutes against Duke on Tuesday. I'm taking the over. You oh my! If if he plays more than ten minutes against Duke, we really are being screwed with. Like I, I'm, I mean,
0: both of these games though, Mike, Wake Forest and Duke, are considered non winnable. Right? I mean, so well, might as well us.
2: for 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 us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Miami would have been considered non winnable too, and we won it. That's true. I mean, if, if he, because here's the thing, I don't, I don't care that it's his son. I don't care that it's a walk-on. I don't care that it's whatever. If you take anybody who's barely played at all in their college career, barely played at all this season, and you start them, and you play them 17 minutes, and they quite literally do nothing outside of picking up one personal foul, like, you can't play that guy again the next game more than two or three minutes. For a normal coach, yes. A normal coach! Yeah.
0: I mean, Kenny's thought was probably, oh, he gave us 17 good minutes. He didn't turn it over. Let's Let's give him another run I'm at it. He didn't turn it over. Zero turnovers in 17 minutes. That's we're sleeping on that. We actually
2: didn't turn the ball over much as a team, think. No, you didn't. We had we had seven turnovers. We shot 45% from the field. We were nine of eleven from the free throw line. And we lost by 25. <laughs> it wasn't even that close. <laughs> oh my God. Texas says uh Louisville's currently 244th in adjusted defensive efficiency. My son started blogging to try to make it through the Kenny Payne era. Shout to Tommy. And he figured out that the sum of Louisville's defensive rankings in all 16 years of Rick Patino's tenure was 248. Wow, I'm not shocked at all by that.
0: Holy smokes!
2: I mean, we had yeah you know, the, the a top five defense in like four consecutive years when Patino was here in that metric, and we were number one in back to back years. Like he's was defensive coach. Defense wins championships, Scoots. That's crazy. That's a, that's a crazy number. It, that actually is pretty insane. Let's take a break. Five o'clock hour is up next. We'll keep going here on the Mike Rutherford show on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. I wish you a song to make you fall in
1: love. I would already have you, but under my arm, I used to follow my tricks. I hope that you like this, but you probably won't. You think you're cooler than me. You got the side that's shacious to hide your face.
0: be such a sweet sweet thing so they got a hold of me
2: i open doors
1: for little old ladies
2: i help the blind to see Just like me before a little basketball got terrible
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's pretty impressive i can't be
1: seen
0: i didn't know anybody me. knew the word
2: i'm getting real shot down and i'm feeling mean sing with me scoots no more, Mister Nice Guy. No
1: also, also just makes me
2: think of um, uh, Days of Confusion. I can see that one in a minute. It's the scene with the they do the paddling, it's like the uh, the hazing near the beginning. Of the oh movie, yeah, okay, you know. yeah, I got it. yeah. It's a, it's a good song. Shout out to Alice Cooper. Shout out to Detroit. I also, think of Alice Cooper every time I think of Wayne's World. Yeah, he's very heavily featured in that movie. We are celebrating the Lions. We're trying not to talk about men's basketball, but we are. But the Lions We're get it done. We're failing miserably. We are, we are failing miserably, as we tend to do on the show, and it's fine. It was cool today, again, in all seriousness, trying to get back to the positives and being a Lions fan and all this stuff. So we put, the, we put Virginia in her pink Lions shirt. We put John in his Aiden Hutchinson jersey. And I just had like my Lions hat taking the kids to school this morning. And all the parents, like parents that I don't know, being like, yeah, lions, go get them. I was like, hell yeah! Like, I've never had this happen before, where people are looking, <laughs> looking at my. Usually, lions. Are like, are they gonna be any good next year? Like, I vividly remember. There's a shirt. One of my things. I think a lot of husbands out there can probably relate to this. I've heard it's a common thing. My wife. It annoys the hell out of her that I refuse to throw t-shirts away. Like I have. I just. I hate it. Like I, I like. I've got so many t-shirts. I've got like a whole chest of drawers filled with t-shirts, but I just don't get rid of them. And one of the ones I have, I bought a lion shirt. Like in. 2007, and I still have it. And I was putting it on yesterday before the game, and I was like, I vividly remember going to Quiznos and wearing the shirt and getting heckled by the little snot nosed like 16 year old kid there. It was like the Lions gonna do anything, and my only response was, they're one to know in the preseason right now. They won their first preseason game, <laughs> and this was the year before they were gonna go 0 16 in 2008. But like those, like that's how I've been reacted to my entire life wearing Lions gear in public, and now seeing it as a source of pride, seeing it as a source of envy from some of the other parents out there is a very cool feeling. I, too, do not throw T-shirts away, so I'm on team keep T-shirts. If you ever, when you do get married, and this is going to be the year of love for Scoots 2024, mm-hmm. Like, you will get harassed about it. She's like, you have more clothes than I do. And I'm like, well, you know. I so I want to remember the good memories of the 2009 Big East Tournament Championship. That's why I, do, I have the T-shirt. I do the thing where a lot of my shirts now won't fit, thanks alcohol.
0: Um, I've got some of that, too. But I always, I make them cutoffs. Like, if the, if the T-shirts don't fit anymore, you make them a cutoff. Next thing you know, they fit like a glove.
2: I have that, too. I have a—my my, favorite—the the one that I think she, she got really mad about when she saw one time is when I was playing AAU baseball growing up. I was 13, so this is quite literally like 25 years ago. And we played in this wooden bat tournament called the Beaver Bat Classic. And the t-shirt—because my mom would always buy the, the t-shirts for the tournaments that we played in. And I, I've, I have gotten rid of almost all of them over the years. But this one, the image was, is incredible. It's a tiny beaver on a baseball field holding this big bat, and it just says like "1999 Beaver Bat Classic" or whatever it was. And like, no, I'm not gonna throw that away. The the sleeves are cut off, but I also made the all-tournament team. It's a fond memory for me. Yeah, you got to keep that. I've got to keep that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I already gave her um, when when we were dating the, the first time. Like, I, I did the thing where, like, I brought over, like, all my old, like, oversized T-shirts, and, like, she would sleep in them. Like, I had, like, the, like basically all my, my, my Trinity baseball stuff and other things like that. And then we broke up for a little bit, and the shirts were mysteriously gone when we got back together. And I'm like, where are those T-shirts? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, you burned them, didn't you? But we never got them back. But besides that, like, I just don't, I don't get rid of T-shirts if, if, they're, if they're good. There are some that I do have to part ways with because they get torn or because I have gotten larger. Or if they get discolored. Yeah, you can give them away too. But for the most part, I don't like I don't like getting rid of them. Who knows when I want to wear that shirt again? Yep. If somebody wants to know that I was at the 2012 Final Four. I want to have the shirt to show them that sure. I was there. I think it's perfectly understandable. But uh, the Lions gear in full force recently, and to have it be a source of envy has been very cool. I've also it's been fun seeing the hearing the, the responses that I've gotten from some fans that have been, you know, fans of tortured franchises over the years and they've had, like, Cubs fans have reached out, which, you know, kind of, yeah, I hate the Cubs, but still, thank you, (laughs) who've been like, I remember the feeling, you know, when we started getting good and seeing that success. I've had um, Bengals fans reach out a lot, who've said, you know, it just reminds me of what we went through a couple of years ago, and that is cool, because, like, growing up with with some, like, my best friends were fans of, like, you know, the the Cowboys, like, the Steelers, like you, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they had their success, they had their good times, and I don't feel that sorry for them when they're like, "Oh no!" Like you know, my friends who are Cowboys fans now, and they're like, "We haven't done anything in 20 years." I'm like, well, "You still like your childhood was loaded with championships." It's hard for me to feel that bad for you. I've never had one thing to celebrate or thump my chest over when it comes to being a Lions fan outside of having a couple of really insanely good players. So you know, shut up. Let me enjoy this. By I- the way, I have seen um, some scuttlebutt. If
0: the Lions get to the Super Bowl, do you sign Barry Sanders to a one-day contract? Give him one snap. So he can finally get his ring.
2: No, 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 can't happen. Not gonna. Is, I I bet I, yeah, have really still seen, be effective? Have you really seen Scuttlebutt of, about that?
0: There was some talk about that online.
2: Yeah, I don't think that can happen. I mean, I mean, did I don't you
0: sign Calvin Johnson too. I don't think it's plausible. But no, it's not gonna
2: happen. Um,
0: Dude deserves a ring. Well. Just sign him to a one-day contract. Give
2: him one carry. He hadn't played in like thirty years. Come on, I, I'd still, i, I, I tr- I'd I'd still carry, trust him. But, but come on, I did love all the graphics talking about how you know the Lions somehow, despite all their failures, all this stuff, they made it to a conference championship game this century before the Cowboys did, which (laughs) made me very, very happy. It made me great. I did see that we signed Zach Ertz today to a a practice squad contract. We're going to plan to activate him on Sunday. A a lot of Lions fans were clamoring for it last week after Laporta got hurt, uh, and then he played and played really, really well yesterday. It makes me a little bit nervous that maybe he got more banged up than we saw, and and he's going to be limited a little bit more this week. But Whatever. Well, it was apparently because of Brock Wright being hurt. Oh, he got hurt? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, I mean, we needed – and Brock Wright had a great catch on the, the the crazy third and short play where we ran him out to the other side. It was a nice little you – know, Some made a guy miss, showed a little versatility. But, uh, yeah, we need we, – besides Brock, I think our only other tight end is a practice squad guy. So signing Zach Ertz makes sense. But I, as long as Laporta is okay, I feel like we got a shot. Without him, I think we're going to really struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although
0: Amon Ross and Brown played really well yesterday,
2: he, did. he had the one bad drop uh, early on in the game when I was like freaking out about how close it was and, and uh, struggling. But he made a crazy catch in the end zone for the the third touchdown. He was he was he's he's a beast. He's very mm. good. Somehow not a Pro Bowler though, according to the Pro Bowl. Players. Don't ask him about that. Yeah, don't five zero two four one 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's Stacks line. We've been talking a lot about the. I mean, do we just call this? You know their nicknames for bigger games and for every franchise or every college program i feel like this is just always going to be known as the zan game on saturday (laughs) it feels wrong
0: it feels like it's it's not good to do it i'm surprised we don't have a nickname for the team as a whole like of
2: the season the forgettables (laughs) we could do better i I think we did that last year crumbling cards The thing is, like they're still—they've already beaten last year's win total, so it can't be anything that's like the worst ever. Because last year was (laughs) was somehow even worse. I don't even know. There's no defining quality about this team other than being bad and being like slightly better than last year. So I don't know the 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 painfuls. Who knows? Whatever. Who cares? I don't know. Uh, The the good football news we got. We haven't gotten. We haven't had the thing happen recently, and I blame Jeff Brom entirely for this, where we've been able to distract ourselves from the awful basketball game that's going because we've gotten like 17 guys in the transfer portal. That was a nice little thing that was happening for a while. We didn't get that over the weekend. We did, however, on Friday get the good news, and, and Matt McGavick was in here, and he basically said that he had he'd heard this was going to happen, that Jermaine Lolay is officially going to return to Louisville for one more season. The uh, you know, nose tackle, defensive lineman who came over from Arizona State, got hurt after the very first game in his first season here last year, two years ago, and then kind of took a while to build up into and, and being able to play big snaps this season as he rehabbed from that injury and then was very effective towards the tail end of this year, made some big-time plays in the defensive backfield. He's back, and I think if you can get him for a full season, he could be wildly productive on this defensive line, and also get his NFL draft stock back to where it was a few years ago, where he was uh, predicted by a lot of people to be one of the first defensive linemen taken in the NFL draft back before COVID happened, and then his injuries started piling up and kind of derailed his progress. He is, I mean, I mean, look, this is another guy that makes it very possible that we're talking about Louisville next season as having maybe its best defensive front of all time. And I don't think that's that's hyperbole. I know we've had some big-time guys on that line over the years, but when you have, Tyler Barron, who was insanely productive at the SEC level last season at one defensive end. Ashton Gelade, who was the runner-up for ACC Defensive Player of the Year at the other defensive end position. And then you add in guys like Thor Griffith, uh, Jermaine Lole coming back, other guys that we've uh, you brought in from the transfer portal, other guys that we're bringing back like Mason Reiger and Rome Perrier and some others. Like, There's a whole lot of reasons to be excited about this defensive front next season. We should be stout against the run. We should be getting in the backfield uh, consistently. Like, This is a... I don't I don't want to overstate Jermaine Lolay's return because we haven't seen him healthy for a full year. But if he can stay healthy, this is a huge, huge addition for next season. And I'm very excited about it. We can't get to football soon enough. We just we we just can't. Um we talked about the NFL outside of the lines, Lamar rolling into the, the the NFC the AFC championship for the first time. Very excited to see him take on um Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We talked a little college basketball nationally. There was also there was a cool picture. We talked about the, the Blake Henson picture at Duke. There was a cool picture of uh, old friend's alert, Quinn lazinski who's playing for West Virginia this year in his last season of college basketball. They upset Kansas over the weekend. There's a cool picture of the court storm happening and him being very emotional and very excited about it. So there are good college basketball things happening across the country, just none of them involve us, which Scoots can relate to because it yeah. also sucks. Absolutely. It's I mean, what, what do we do? How, how do we get through this? At least you have... There's still a little bit of hope where you can be like, I'm going to watch the rest of this conference season play out. Yeah. We can, you know. I haven't given up yet. Things can happen. Maybe we get hot in the conference tournament, whatever. You got to be pissed off right now. I mean, they they looked not very competitive on Friday night against Wisconsin. Did you see Don Fisher's
0: quote? What did he say? He said, In my 51 years behind the mic, I've never said this, but I'm embarrassed for this team.
2: Oh. Yeah. That's strong.
0: That is strong. Jeez. Well, and then he he walked it back today, said that he should have chose his words differently or done a better job of explaining it. But, I mean, we had another kid kicked out of the game because he just elbowed a guy in the face. Like, it's just –
2: That was it, also – the Wisconsin guy was kind of the – I felt like the aggressor. On oh, that. I mean,
0: he he 100% baited him. But the, you got to be smarter than that. You can't fall for that. You're playing college basketball. You know, this isn't high school anymore. There's 80 to 500 cameras on you at all times. Like, nothing's
2: going to be missed. It also was a classic Wisconsin move. Yeah. Like the the lowering of the head and kind of like sticking into the guy. Like just, like that's classic Wisconsin stuff. Yeah. They're, You're they're not like, wrong. Yeah, they, I also did not like that because I, I bet Wisconsin to cover the 12. And I did not like the, the last second three that made it a 12 point game. That was oh. that, that was not an ideal. That was not great. I mean, I didn't lose my bet. I pushed, but right. I thought I had that one locked up for most of the night. I had Push. a good college basketball weekend, though. Push is better than a lo- loss. Push is better than a loss. Thornton's tax line, 502, 414, 1450. We're going to have to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of text. There's no way, right? I, I mean, I've, I've been impressed
0: by you a number of times the last couple of weeks, but there's no way today.
2: The thing is, there are a lot of them that we probably can't read that are, again, I'll, I'll say it again, I, I cannot, there's nothing that I can say about Trevor. Um, I mean, I think I speak for Scoots. We love him. We're thinking mm-hmm. about him. But the, we cannot say anything about what's going on there. Um, that's, and that's really, that's, that's all we can say, is, is that we can't really talk about it. So I get that there are still texts piling up, because I mean, I said that I think last Tuesday. And people are just like, "What's going on? What's going on? What's going on?" We can't, can't comment, so can't read those. So there are a lot of texts out there that I think we will just have to scoot, s- s- skip over. I think we can get this done. I think we can make it happen. All right. If you believe, I believe. Texas says Scoots, it's been a minute. Suck it, from Scoots hater. Oh, suck it, Scoots hater. <laughs> Texas says, "Why is Todd Bowles not getting more heat for not using his timeout when the Lions kneeled to make it fourth down and thirty-six seconds left on the clock?" We we did talk about it. It's. Very, 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 very strange. I thought it was super weird. So much so that I thought the graphic was messed up. Um, Yeah, it it was. That was a bizarre thing. Texas says, can't read that. Texas says the new coach will be picked based on who loves to eat at Roosters the most and who has the most Thornton's reward points. (laughs) I would take it. You can't coach this program if you don't respect Thornton's. You know who respects Thornton's? Jeff Brom got it done. Jeff Walls love sorens i've got a rooster's gift card we haven't done a coach of the day we haven't no we haven't done a Coach of the day coaching room of the day um we've, we've had some big ones i tell you what um i need actually is trey still in there he's not okay well, then you can do it that's fine okay. whatever give me a <laughs> give me a number 45 through 95 today
0: oh man uh let's go with the year my dad was born 67
2: 67 okay Ooh, this is a bad one <laughs>
0: I mean, it's number 67. It should be a bad one.
2: (laughs) The fan base, I think, would have a rough time getting on board with this.
0: Wait, what were the numbers you gave me?
2: 45 through 95. Oh, okay. So just outside of Indiana. Look, now this guy, he does have a ton of power conference coaching, head coaching experience. He's currently a power conference head coach with a good record this year. Because of that, there's a lot of buzz that Mike White of Georgia (laughs) by way of Florida and Louisiana Tech, is interested in making a leap to another power conference program that has won national titles in its past. Uh, they did just get blasted by Kentucky over the weekend, but look, they scored 96 points against Kentucky. We haven't scored 96 points against Kentucky in in years, decades even. Maybe, maybe the last two combined. Man, maybe, <laughs> maybe ever. I don't know if we've scored 96 points in a game against Kentucky, but Georgia has, under the direction of Mike White, and they are thirteen and five overall, and three and two, which is a gigantic step forward from where they were um, the, the last couple of years. So, Mike White, palpable buzz surrounding his potential to be the next U of L men's head basketball
0: coach. Yeah, he he thought he liked orange, but then he realized he was going for more of a red. So he went to Georgia and then now he realizes mm-hmm. I can't remember who it was last week, but yeah. also realizes that's not the right shade of red for him. He needs to be in Louisville red. I
2: think it was Porter Moser last week. Was it? Okay. Everyone's deciding that they need Cardinal Red and yeah. not those darker shades. Exactly. Can't happen. He's got he's also trying to work his way back up north. Louisiana Tech to Florida to Georgia. Like he wants he's more of a midwestern guy.
0: Well and I've heard he's a cat guy too, so the
2: live mascot kind of freaks him out. Yeah, we don't like trying to get away from that. like cat guys here. That's, that's like, true. It's not, 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 not ideal. So there you go. That's your coaching room of Canada today. In all, like, in all seriousness, I don't know if it's come up on the text line, but I, I did see, because friends put, brought it to my attention, there was somebody who was like, the decision has been made, the next head coach has been picked, and it's one of three these three guys, like Will Wade, Mick Cronin, or I don't mean, know who the third one was, Jerome Tang probably. And that's – yeah, I, I – I feel like I can say with 99% certainty the next head coach has not been picked. That's not true at all. I think there are guys who want the next head coach to have been picked. Has not happened. I think there's some, maybe some favorites, but the coach has not been selected.
0: Could you, <laughs> theoretically, could you have conversations with the coach that's coaching another team now and have some have like a contract lined up and would that coach be able to – Under the radar recruit, is is that even possible? What
2: you would do and what happens in these situations—it's all through the agent. Is the agent reaches out to people around ads and gauges interest, and then they kind of have these back channel conversations. The agent, of course, goes back to the coach. So there's never any direct contact between, like, maybe in the most shady of situations it happens. Mm -hmm. But everything that I've ever heard, like if if Josh Hurd was trying to line up, let's just say Mick Cronin. I know he got into a huge spat with with reports again last weekend and they blew a big lead against Arizona. But let's say that he, Heard wants Mick and Mick wants to come here. Josh would work details out with the with, with Mick's agent. There'd be back and forth there. And then I don't think I can't imagine that a head coach would be telling recruits like, I'm going to Louisville mm-hmm. and you need to follow me there, because if that got out, it would be a, a terrible, terrible looking, would right. probably ruin the deal. But they, you know, they may be trying to like plant seeds. Like that, that probably doesn't ever happen. I think that it's mostly like you hope to just build the relationship with the kid. You try to make it more about you than the program, so that when you do leave, they're like, "Hey, like I was coming to UCLA to play for you. I wasn't coming for the glory of UCLA, so I'm gonna go wherever you go." So I think that's what would happen. But I don't think it would be like if if you had lined up a coach who was like Dusty May at Florida Atlantic, and he's making a jump from mid major to major conference, and they can start being like, "Hey." Uh, you may not want to play for me at FAU, but would you like to play for me at Louisville? Like, I don't think that that's that's going to happen. I think you just trust them to get it done in the limited amount of time they have after you hire them in March. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Texter says, "I can't believe Payne gave the excuse post game that it was noon and young players don't like to do things early for lack of effort on defense." He said that. I didn't see that quote. <laughs> Did I miss that?
0: So much for him not having a ridiculous statement. In the post-game. I didn't see
2: that. <laughs> I believe it, but but I didn't see it. I did see him say that they're young. Oh, that's funny. Which, I mean, they're not that young anymore. We've got Brent Huntley-Hatfield. This is his third full year of college basketball. Sky Clark, this is his second year of college basketball. Mike James has been in a college basketball, but this is his third year. He's a redshirt sophomore um i mean sans in his 17th year if you if you're gonna start him we're gonna have to use that against you i mean well, Zans ca- played a ton
0: in case you forgot these guys went to elementary middle and high school i mean they had to wake up at early every day yeah. to do that I so mean,
2: i know we're, we're giving three freshmen big time minutes but th- you know those three guys aren't our our biggest contributors I, we, I mean we are a young team but at some point that stops being an excuse you know i mean they're they're a young team kentucky's very young too they're not Refusing to go, one well, that's not a good defense thing. That's probably a bad example. But they're not refusing. Like they don't. You never question Kentucky's effort level, and you can't excuse it because they're playing a noon game and, and they're 19 year old kids. Stop, stop. Texas, listening to the post game show on Saturday, I was struck with this thought. Paul Rogers called a U of L basketball game the night that his father passed away because his father wanted to hear his son on the radio calling the game for the team he loved. I think it was a football game. I think it was the Virginia football game. If I'm right. Uh, listening to paul be such a professional who is used to to the highest level of collegiate basketball call and have to comment on his team is horribly sad every game that kp continues to coach is a slap in the face of all the wonderful people who played a part in all the good times i'm just so sick of it i'm too i I mean my dad who's probably listening he keep now he's playing the card where he's like i want Louisville to get good again before i die and i'm like you're killing my dad kenny (laughs) Kind of sad, but I mean, there are people like you know people who are like I've seen this this a lot with the Lions where there are like people who are like I've I've had cancer for the last couple years, I've had it for the last few months or whatever, and like I I wanted to make sure that I saw this in case something terrible happened to me. And once you hit a certain age, I think it do comes does come in your mind where it's like you know I've, I've I'd love to see us have one last great run of success, maybe not just like one last championship, but a nice great run. And right now we are not close to having a great run. Like it's very. If at this pace, if it's going to happen under Kenny Payne, it's going to happen. I mean, I'm we'll probably be dead by the time we get to being like title good. Um, so it's, it, I think it's time to get some some new blood in there. Somebody who can get this done. I mean, that would never happen under Payne, right? I I don't think so. There's no way, not with what we've seen so far. We are two games better than last year. Sure. Keep keep up at this pace. Watch get, out for the get there one day. Twenty forty five. Texas, did Mike sacrifice the cards for this to happen for the Lions? Yes. I have that type of power. By the way, your moon update for this week. This weekend's moon. The lines are two and zero playing in it. What is it? I don't know. It's not waxing. The one giv- from this past weekend. The one that's coming up this this upcoming oh, weekend. Okay. We're two and zero. That's your moon report. It's not a waxing gibbous, but it's whatever the next is.
0: Hit us up, science teacher.
2: Yeah, science guy. Let me know. I, I retweeted. Hold on. The, the, the Mike Payton guy. All these like meteorologists now are getting this. This cra- it's a waning gibbous moon. Two and zero. Two and zero. Bet the house in the line. The waning gibbous is a phase is between a full moon and a half moon, and the waning mean, means it's getting smaller. There you go. Two and on waning makes Guinness sense because it was bright last night. It was bright last night. Sheesh. Texas says so much overreaction this week about Jordan Love. There was no film on him this season. The NFL figures everyone out. Yeah, I mean, I think the concern is the Packers have. You know, they put all their chips into Brett Favre, put all their chips into Aaron Rodgers, and now they're doing it with Jordan Love, and it's like they're. Their success rate has been pretty spot on, and he was starting to look good. Um, I think that's the concern. Having said that, we as the Louisville men's basketball program, we hit it big with Denny Crumb. We hit it big with Rick Pitino. We have not hit it big since. Texas I drafted Gibbs and Laporta in my fantasy. First fantasy draft in 15 years, and they got me to the championship. Um, He also says, as a fellow Lions fan, Mike, I was shocked and chagrined when they picked Gibbs, the more you read breakdowns, it makes sense. Oh, this is his text from April. Sure, there were more posi- other positions of need, but you're reaching either way there if you don't like a D lineman as much as you like the other players. This is why I never uh, like judge football grades, like draft grades, because we don't we have no idea. Like, like you go back and you look at all these people who do the draft grades every year, and half of it is is totally bunk and, and incorrect in five years. So you just, yeah, like you don't know. I don't know if this offensive lineman is going to be better than this quarterback. I don't know. Yeah, it just, just, yeah. I don't overreact. Basketball, I think it's a little bit easier to be like, I watched this guy play three years in college, think he's going to be great, or I watched this guy play as a freshman in college, think he's going to be great. But football, it's just like, I'm not going to pretend to know whether or not you'd be better served taking a left guard there than you would taking this, the third best running back in the draft. I just don't know. Texas, hey, hey, Mike. Hey, Scoots. Packers choking killed my prediction for you, Mike, of the Lions hosting the NFC Championship. It should have happened. I still say it's Lions versus Ravens at the Super Bowl with the Lions falling short, like my Bengals did a couple of seasons ago. It would suck. I know, Mike, but Lamar would get his Super Bowl, and that wouldn't be a nothing burger like it was for me and the Bengals losing to the Rams. It's a good point. I'd be crushed if the Lions made it to the Super Bowl and didn't, uh, didn't win, obviously. But if it had to happen, getting Lamar the Super Bowl would be a, a nice little... It would cushion the blow for sure. I'd be, you know, everyone's like, would you be conflicted? Would you be conflicted? I wouldn't be conflicted. I'm rooting for the Lions. I would have to root against Lamar for the first time, basically since he got to the NFL outside of when he's played the Lions before. But, you know, if they did win, I'd, it's like I'm not going to be happy for him. I'll be sad for myself, but I'll be very happy for Lamar because he's he's the man. I love him. Texas says, Zan Payne in 30 minutes of action on the season has two more points and three more fouls than I do. That's getting her done. <laughs> when Steve Masiello played for Patino, they called him the human victory cigar whenever he got in the game. Whenever Zan gets in the game, he's the human middle finger to the fans, the team, and the university. That's, I mean, honestly, the, the HMF is a great nickname. He's the human middle finger. Uh, it, it, it feels that way. It does. And I hate talking about him. He's, he's a kid. I'm sure he's a nice kid. But his dad's making us talk about this. Yeah, I was
0: at Midway on Saturday when you posted your tweet about, okay, now we're really getting trolled. Yeah. And I was, I clicked on it, not expecting to see that. And I clicked on it, and I was like, "Oh my
2: gosh, this is he did this is phenomenal." It's the son of a actually did it. <laughs> Texas, does Zan have the thickest legs in a cardinal uniform since Shane? He does. I mean, he's got he's got some big legs. You know, I mean, I don't know, he's, he doesn't use them the same way that Shane did, but. I don't know. Texas, it's kind of messed up that he would do that to his own son, if we're being honest. KP has come across as incredibly selfish and deflected responsibility all season, but it was really bleepy for him to put his son in that position. I, I, I totally agree. And I know I, I, I kind of ranted. I didn't rant. I kind of sort of ranted about this in the second hour. But, it, like, he kind of forced us to have this conversation about Zan's deficiencies and, and why he has no business playing 17 minutes and certainly why he has no business starting. And, like, there's no reason... For us to be talking about Zanpain in late January of this season, there's just not. There's no. We, Zanpain should be the furthest thing from our radar, mm-hmm. and he's a talking point because his dad made him a talking point. And I hate, like, I, I, I hate doing it. I'm excited to move on from Zanpain because I don't like crapping on college kids. But like, when your dad's not just playing you, but he's justifying it by saying, you know, you played well defensively and you gave us some good defensive minutes, and we all have to be like, no, like, check the tape, like. He's not giving us anything. You're gaslighting us. You're making us do that. Texas says, Mike Lyons, let's go. Whispers, I kind of like the matchup against the Niners, especially if Debo is out. I hope you're right, buddy. I hope you're right. Texas says, go watch how UK paraded Big Z after his behind-the-back pass to Reeves for three. I mean, that was pretty sweet. It was really sweet.
0: It was very sweet. By the way, shout-out to Reeves for making that three. Oh, yeah. That play's not near as cool as if he misses
2: there was one time I was playing like pickup with a group of friends up at Seneca Park, and a buddy of mine made this like. We're playing like really good players, and we're kind of playing out of our minds. But a buddy of mine who actually played in high school made this like between the legs crazy bounce pass to me for a breakaway layup, and it was one of those where like the ball is about to I'm about to catch it, and like the whole playground is is just like oh, and I was like if I miss this layup, I'm just going to kill myself. And like I made it, but it was like like, kind of like rattled in, and when I didn't see it drop through the net immediately, I was like if I miss this, I would just I would have I would have stopped playing. (laughs) It's it's a it's a terrible feeling. Texas, the crazy thing to me is that this team is talented enough to be a fringe tournament team, and we are 333rd in total defense with our athleticism and size. Outside of Spirit Children and KP being a state of masochist, this is my biggest indictment of this era. It's a big word. Yeah, we, we just we don't defend. There's no way around it. Texas Duke averages 81.6 points per game, and Payne's personal mouthpiece Bozich, puts on an article where the headline asks, "Is this week the week? Could this be the week where Louisville's defense cleans it up?" No, Rick. They'll drop whatever they want to on us tomorrow. And I do kind of feel that way, especially coming off, off a pretty embarrassing loss to Pitt. Game's at home, right? The game is at home. Can't wait. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, speaking of talking about it, we'll keep talking about this on the Thornton Stacks line, 502-414-1450 after the break. It's the final segment. It's coming up next here on 1450
1: and one. The Big X. Mr. Oh, oh, oh. how i feel right
2: now <laughs> i'm ready to cruise away from here final segment here of the monday edition of the mike rutherford show 1450, 96 won the big eggs it is the first big monday of the college basketball season always one of those mile marker points of the season uh we'll pick some games coming up here the acc of course with the seven o'clock game and then the best big 12 game Coming up at nine o'clock, we'll pick some winners. At the end of the segment, before we do that, we got to get to as many of your texts as we can on the Thornton text line 502 414 1450 is the number. If you want to have your thoughts heard on this Monday afternoon, you got about 20, 20 minutes left to make that happen. We'll get to as many of these as we can. Texture says, I'm curious if anybody has ever asked KP about his recruiting. Obviously, you can't discuss ongoing recruiting where kids haven't signed yet, but you can absolutely ask about general feelings, challenges about the recruiting process. I would love to hear him talk about how many spirit children we have in the pipeline. To my knowledge, and this is one of those things where you know, KP doesn't do local radio. He hasn't done a whole lot of, I mean, he hasn't done any national radio or podcasts or anything like that since the summer. He's mostly asked just about the most recent game when he does post-game press conferences, and then he gets asked a lot about the, the most recent game and the upcoming game when he does these pre-game press conferences. And then, you know, on his coach's show, he's not going to get, Asked a lot of hard hitting questions about, hey, this is going wrong or what's up here. But so we, I don't, to my knowledge, we haven't had anybody ask him, hey, what the hell's going on with recruiting? It's one thing to have no success on the court, but, you know, we were told you were going to be this guy who could get a bunch of five stars, and we're going to be recruiting at a level that we've never recruited before, and we're the only we're the only power conference program in all of college basketball that has no players signed for the 2024 class. Did you know that, Scoots? I didn't know that. Only I mean, one. Indiana only has one. We're, we got none. T.J. One's better than none. That's true. I can confirm. TJ Robinson, I believe, technically is still committed a little, but he did not sign during the early signing period. I'm um, not sure if he's waiting to see what happens with our, our coaching situation to make a move, but we've, we're the only program out of the what 60-some-odd power conference programs in America, the, the Power Six Leagues, we're the only one that does not have a single player signed in maybe, the current recruiting class. Maybe
0: they should call him up, see who he wants as coach. <sighs> Let him make the pick.
2: Can't wait for Carter Knox. <laughs> it's coming. It's happening. Texas says our assistants have been awful as well, but even they had to be like, dude, that's effed up when KP told them that was Zam was starting. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen the reaction when they announced that. He's like, alright, we got we got Zan, we got I mean, it just had to have been like a little bit of shock. From everybody. The players, yeah, coaches. It had to have been like a little bit of, you know, the, the players kind of looking around, and be like, Is anybody else gonna anybody else gonna make a noise here? This this doesn't feel right. Texas says if we bring this circus back for season three while DePaul hires a sexy name and they win thirty five games and go to a final four, I honestly think that I would quit college hoops and spend my winters watching seven movies a day like Trevor. <laughs> there was a because DePaul, if you haven't seen the news. We mentioned earlier, DePaul has fired Tony Stubblefield, who was a catastrophic failure at DePaul. And still beat us twice, including this year, uh, for one of his three wins. And Jeff Goodman, shortly after that news, he sent out a tweet saying, like, DePaul has NIL out the wazoo. And there are reports that they're going to tar- target a, high, a proven high major coach with a large financial package that will surprise people. If DePaul lands a better coach than we do, I, I'll i have a hard time adjusting to that. I'll have a hard time accepting that. This is DePaul who has been, I mean, there's no close second, the worst power conference program in college basketball for the last two decades. They did also, they almost hired John Shire when they ended up hiring Tony Stubblefield. So they said, you know, they, they, you know, we still don't really know what happened with the Kenny Payne thing. There were reports that they said no thanks to Kenny Payne. There were reports that Kenny Payne said no thanks to them. But they were seriously considering Kenny Payne and Tony Stubblefield and John Shire. They're like, no, he's got no, he's got no business being here. And he ends up getting the job at Duke. So we'll see what DePaul does. But if it comes down to a deal where, like, we're going after I and mean, just who's like Scott Drew and DePaul like get Scott Drew over us, I'll just I'll, I'll die. I'll, 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 there's no reason for the to get a better coach than we do, but there's now a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of controversy, a little, a little bit of competition out there in the coaching pool. Texas says um, the home football schedule is atrocious. It's not great next year. I mean, the three most attractive games in the schedule are Kentucky, Notre Dame, and Clemson, and they're all away next year. So, yeah. The thing, thing, though, and we've said this several times, is you don't know who's going to be good in the ACC. So while it may look on paper like we're – we get Miami at home, I believe. Um, While it may look on paper like we're not going to have a bunch of competitive games or or top 25 teams at home next season, like you just – you don't know who's going to be good. We played Georgia Tech, Miami, Pitt, and SMU. And then, in addition to the Austin P and Jacksonville State games, and that looks crappy on paper, but maybe, maybe Pitt winds up being a top twenty-five team next year. But the point still stands: it's not, not a lot of sexy matchups. There's not really a opportunity for a, a sellout like we had last year with both Notre Dame and Kentucky. So it's probably going to be. I mean, hopefully the the team being as good as we hope they're going to be, we'll just make the games exciting in and of itself. Texas says uh, Zan looks like a forty-five-year-old dad playing full-court ball for the first time since his teenager was born. I can't wait for that to be me in a few years. <laughs> it's absolutely going to be me when John starts playing basketball. I'm very excited to <laughs> to start playing again and to get like insanely winded. Texas, we need to applaud Rick Boges for having the courage to address the elephant in the room that everyone else has been too afraid to broach. Our perimeter defense. Why has no one else talked about this? That's a good text. I did like uh, Kenny Payne using "elephant in the room" to talk about. It. He's like the elephant in the room, and I'm like, hey, he's talking about his job security. He's like. If you don't guard the three, like they're gonna, I'm like, I don't think he knows what elephant in the room means, (laughs) because that's not the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is how the hell are you still here talking about another 25 point loss, Texas? What would be the the bigger heel turn? Hogan joining Hall and Nash to form NWO, or Mike rooting against Lamar Jackson in his first Super Bowl? Look, I gotta do what I gotta do. I'm not happy about it either. I mean, I'll be happy about it because I want Lamar to play in the Super Bowl, but yeah, it would be. It'd be weird for me to have to get on like social media and get on Twitter and be like, yeah, interception. Like All the little fans are like, suck it. We hate you so much right now. <laughs> It'd be tough. That's going to be tough. Texas says Alashage had a similar debut as Big Z. Did he? I remember him doing something in the brief time that he actually played, but then I remember him just – I remember realizing very quickly that he was not worth the fuss that we, we gave. How'd you say that name? Lashagay. Muhammad Lashagay was a big deal. We signed him. There was a huge NCA. It's a long name for not very many letters. Yeah, it's a huge NCA investigation. He eventually got cleared, and then he didn't really do anything. the The bigger debut, I think, was the Wayne Blackshire one because he initially was ruled ineligible, then he got eligible, then he had the shoulder injury that kept him out, and then he wasn't going to play. And you know, he, we'll bring him along slowly, and then Rick just throws him out there against West Virginia on the road, and he hits like three threes right away. That was that was crazy. That was Wayne mania, and Wayne you know, then ended up not being. Not being great, but not being terrible. Texas says Big Z wouldn't see the floor with Kenny as the head coach. <laughs> Probably wouldn't. Texas, our talent is nit level at worst. I think that with, I think the right coaching, the right system, the right motivation, this team could could be an NCAA tournament team. I really do. And maybe that's crazy. Maybe and maybe it's not right. I don't. You know, there's no way to know with 100 certainty. But I feel like we've seen Louisville teams with this level of talent and maybe slightly less, be right there competing for NCAA tournament spots. Um, I, I don't think that they could be like Sweet 16, Final Four good, but they they should be better than this. There's no question about it. Texas says, starting lineup for the next game, Hersey Miller, Zan Payne, Karan Davis, Jerry Eaves, and Malik Williams. <laughs> Malik Williams, I saw the numbers. He's like lighting it up in the G League this year. He's is he? Like, he's got like, yeah, there's somebody who was trying to vote him on to the G League All Star game or whatever because he's averaging like 17.2 points and nine point rebounds and all this stuff. I'm, I'm happy for Malik. I'm good glad, for him. glad he's having success. Texas, says, Do you remember when you voiced the intro for the 2021 2022 season? I do. Are you trying to say that I started this whole thing? Is this my fault? I think that's what he's implying, yeah. The good, the, the only good thing about the Kenny Payne air is that his it is removed. My intro video from the record books of being the voice of the worst season of my lifetime. Like I was always afraid I finally get to do like the coolest thing ever. Like it's my voice, big screen, yum center, every single game. And it was for for, at that point in time associated with like the worst season any of us had ever experienced. That quickly has been erased from our memories. So I'm no longer the worst. Speaking of that, it was two years ago today was the Russ Smith retiring his jersey number game which was also kind of became famous for being the beginning at the end of the Chris Mack era because he got booed after the game and Malik Williams gave the the post game quote about like no comment on, on if the staff is still getting through to them and then Mack ended up resigning or leaving however you want to say a mutual parting of ways within the week after we got beat on Monday against Virginia so a weird 2 year anniversary it was a cool night for me it was a, going to the game and then hosting the the post uh, ceremony Q&A with Russ Smith was very very fun uh, it was an enjoyable experience, but uh, it also was what we thought was the low point in terms of like wins and losses and on court stuff. And it was you know, we were just getting started at that point, actually, when it came to embarrassing ourselves on the floor. So Texas KP has gone full Costanza. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. It kind of feels like it. Texas, the most pathetic thing about the KP era is his constant talking about working on basic basketball 101 bleep that should have been done from day one. The bottom line is he's effing clueless on how to get a team to do it. You sort of just said the same thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, yeah. When we're still, when we're here almost through year two and we're talking about like guys relaxing in transition on defense and how that's got to get fixed. It, like, if you're talking about that midway through, more than midway through your second season, it's just it's not going to get fixed. Like we we have problems that just aren't ever going to get fixed. If that's the case, Texture says, uh, "Is Scoots taking Gil to the WJIE sweetheart dinner?" No way. I'm spending that money on him. <laughs> I did. No way. So uh, are we running spots for that? Is, we are. Is yeah. that why the, the people are reacting mm-hmm. to that? Yep. It's um, good
0: commercial too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I know they, they. I know they had a bunch of people in here filling out the um, like the sweetheart. Like goodie bags and stuff. Okay. A few weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's go." Texture says uh, she's a flopper in in, in regards to Kenya. Yeah, texture. Right.
0: What? Kenya, right? My daughter? Yeah. Or no, it was it was the
2: boy who was the flopper. Oh yeah, J- John. No, John. John's big on flopping. Oh, they're talking
0: about Caitlyn Clark. Yeah,
2: they're talking about Caitlyn Clark. Yeah, flopping after the thing. Mm-hmm. Actually says, uh, Goodman made a good point that firing now will help with nil when talking about the DePaul job. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like, I don't know if it's going to help now with Louisville. I think there are some people who it will help with. I think it will help with season tickets, honestly. But I think that most people are going to make decisions after the season's over. Like, I've got buddies who are who have season tickets who have not been going to games this year, and they're like, "We won't keep them if we have Kenny Payne next year." I have multiple friends who are saying that's not just say anecdote thing that I'm tossing out there that's not true and I I think you have people that are in that same boat who've been paying for tickets the last couple of years in the hope that we're going to get good again and it's a it's a large chunk of money and if we're just going to get another year of Kenny Payne I think then they're going to be like okay maybe we'll re-up when we get somebody else but we can't do this for another year I think that's when the decisions are going to get made I think our our situation is different than DePaul thank God it is because we should I'm, I'm I'm the amount of times that we've been compared to DePaul in the KP era I think tells you all you need to know about where <laughs> we are right now. This should not be happening. Uh, Texas says, there is zero reason to keep him the next season if we are not saving the $2 million. I agree. Texas there's no there's no accountability on this team. I miss Rick pulling guys no matter how much they score because they give up a basket or he would call timeout just to cuss out a player. I agree. It's The lack of using the, ben- the bench as a motivational tool has been frustrating. Yeah. Text says, Mike, congrats on your Lions making it to the NFC Championship game. I'm a Packers fan, so my natural inclination is to root against you. But honestly, I would be okay with the Lions going to a Super Bowl and winning it this year, and then may you never win another one again. <laughs> I get that. I mean, you know, if you're if you've been a lifelong Packers fan, like I, I get why you hate the Bears and maybe the Vikings to a lesser extent, but we've never really been a threat until now and so I, I i get why other nfc north fan bases don't have the same hate to the lions as they do to like the other teams although my friends who are all nfc north guys just they hate the lions they're actively rooting against me because they're terrible friends Texture says um kenny Payne's year zero roster four star four star four star four star five star three star four star three star four star four star, four star. that's one five star seven four stars two three stars and yet he's still not fired yeah, it's bad. Texas will Scoots and Gill watch the premiere of America's Most Wanted tonight on Fox? Ooh, that's back? Did, did it ever leave? I don't yeah, I don't know. That show used to really scare me though. I'd
0: watch it <laughs> back I'd watch it back to back with X Files and then try to go to sleep. Not a not a good idea.
2: No, X Files used to get to me, yeah, for sure. Texas. even though I'll never wear them again I've kept all of my t-shirts from when I went to Trinity a few years behind you Mike my hope is that when my boys make it there they'll wear the same cool old through uh, old school throwback Trinity shirts also we discovered an original 80s doctors of dunk t-shirts uh, size small in my parents house I've gotten my wife to wear it a couple of basketball games over the last few years I mean I remember this I had this retro like 1986 national championship t-shirt that I was like too big for me that I slept in as like a nightshirt when I was growing up. And I know I got rid of it as a kid. And it's one of those where I wish I still had it now. Cause it was like, it had like the Cardinal bird was like swallowing a mini, mini blue devil. It was very weird design, but it was, I'm sure it would be viewed as cool now. And I, I, I wore it all the time. I also slept in a Raiders t-shirt for some reason, <laughs> but I had an who had no idea what size I was across the country. It was just semi me random stuff. And half the time it was just shirts that were like extra large. I'm like, I'm, I'm six. Texas Mike, my b day was yesterday. In honor of that, can I choose the coach number today? Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Chris. I tell you what, Chris. Tomorrow we'll do, we'll do your tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, we'll do you tomorrow, Chris. Texture says, um, I can't believe pain. Oh, he's 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 pulling up the quote to justify. We, we weren't sure that he had the he'd given the actual quote about young players that don't like to do things early in the games because of lack of effort. Let's see. He said. The exact quote from after the game, no question about it. I think sometimes young people feel like they don't. I don't have to do things early in the morning for a twelve o'clock noon game. That's no excuse. Oh my god, he really did say. Wow, how did that get through? Then the next, uh, the next line is that yeah, you guessed it, something about fight. You've got to fight. You got to know who you're playing against. You got to know this. Oh my god, (laughs) I, I said it. Sort of ingest when when the question came up last. I, I really I will I won't do the show next year if we have to do this again. <laughs> I I can't, I can't do this again. Texas Mike, I had a seventy five dollar parlay for St. John's to win over Marquette, and St. John's had a last second shot to win. The ball went in and came out, so Rick Patino fell to the floor, and so did I. Oh. I had the reverse. I had Marquette in that game, but I did have I had the biggest bet I made made of the entire weekend was was Baylor winning straight up, and they lost at the buzzer, and that kind of
0: wrecked the first part oh, of the Oh, you should have never done that. That line was stinky. I mean,
2: that, that was screaming. They were in control to, the whole game. That was
0: screaming to bet Texas. Mm,
2: they, they, they had it. They should have won. Texas says, so let me tell you how bleepy it is being a Bengals fan and having to root against two, possibly three times a year sucks ass. Texas. The fact that a lot of us have a higher than zero percent chance than pain uh, that pain actually gets a third year scares the bleep out of me, because I talk in absolutes like he'll be gone just two more months. But then my dad will rebuttal and be like, "What if we're cash strapped? What if record lows and basketball boosters only want to support football?" I mean, that's the, I think it's the it's this scary situation that like people keep coming up with now. Because the longer this goes, the more people are like, "What if we get a third year? What, what if that happens?" And I, I do talk about. I do the same thing that Texture does. I talk about it in absolutes, eight more weeks, seven more weeks, and I really and truly think that, that there will be a change made. But I can't say with 100% certainty. Texas says, this has gone uh, way beyond incompetent. I am now a full-on uh, the KP Kentucky plant truther. It's gaining momentum. Texas, will Chicken Knowles be one of your assistants? Yes, Absolutely. Texas says, I've definitely seen people locally questioning Josh Hurd's competence as AD, but this weekend was the first time that I've heard someone nationally talk about it. Terrence Oglesby brought it up on Tate Frazier's podcast. I hate it for Josh, but I agree with you. He's ultimately going to be judged on the actual hire. If the hire is good, no one will remember that he let Kenny finish out the season. Totally. Like this this the next three months, I, I think will define Josh's tenure here. If he lands his guy and he winds up killing it. In men's basketball. And I don't think we'll know the truth for like two or three more years. Like it may, it is more likely right now that we wind up landing a head coach that the fan base is kind of like, eh, you know, maybe about than it is that he just knocks it out because there's so few candidates that I think the fan base will get super, super excited about and there will be sort of a consensus on. And with that being the case, we're gonna to have to like react to what he does this offseason to generate some hype and then see how he actually performs in the real season. I think it'll be two or three years before we know how we feel about Josh Hurd as an AD because this hire is going to kind of make or break his reputation. Texas says, if that's not Zan of the game, I'm worried what's Z- if that's not the Zan game, I'm worried what the Zan game will be. <laughs> Texas says, I want to make sure that Louisville hockey gets a proper shout out, incredible atmosphere and an absolute packed rink last Friday night against UK. I loved everything about it, and everyone should try to get out to a game if they want fast paced action. Didn't that start at like midnight? It, they, their games are late. Yeah, that's weekends, awesome. But it's a fun atmosphere yeah. for sure. Texas, there's a joke somewhere about Big Z and Zan being out of shape. I just can't get there. Texas says, um, can we stop calling KP a nice guy? Nothing leads me to believe that he's a nice guy. He's a liar. He blames kids for everything and never takes accountability for his actions. We're seeing more texts like that as well. Like more people being like, is he really a nice guy? Is he? Yeah. Um, Texas, you you rock. Don't let uh, Scoots Hater tell you any different, Scoots.
0: Oh, yeah. He
2: can suck it. <laughs> I wonder who Scoots Hater is. Texas says, uh, so we're doing Chris tomorrow. Yeah, we're doing Chris tomorrow. Texas, do we have a date for open practices in spring game? We don't yet. Texas, I needed Diggs to catch a TD to have the Bills win by two plus to nail a five leg $400 parlay on a $10 bet. Ooh. The last leg that always gets you. I had one of those. It was it was a terrible bet, too. Like I had like the first four legs of a five leg parlay and felt good about it. And then I had Penn to cover minus two against Harvard because I saw a tip on it somewhere. And Penn was down by twenty at halftime. So I couldn't even like cash out. I was like, This sucks. <laughs> this is this is annoying.
0: I only did one parlay this weekend and it was the same game parlay for the Kentucky game. Big Z threw that all off. Mm. I mean, he he literally wrecked it himself.
2: Texas, if KP gets a third year and Heard resigns, then the conspiracy theory looks very plausible. Texas, Mike, I know the losing probably makes listeners apathetic for your show. I know it has uh, for us over at the Third Banner Pod. Uh, I mean, honestly, our the podcast number—I I, we don't get a book for the show. I don't know, but the the podcast listeners have been pretty consistent for us. Yeah. Um, with the CC podcast and over here, so I don't know. I think people, you know, people will definitely get excited by the coaching search, and people love controversy. But at some point, kind of enough is enough. We're having the same conversation every day. Speaking of podcast,
0: Fridays never got uploaded, so for those of you mm. curious,
2: I'm uploading it now. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, all right, we got to pick some games. I didn't realize how late it was. We had Big Monday tonight. First game seven o'clock on ESPN. Wake Forest, freshly off their absolute obliteration of Louisville over the weekend, on the road taking on North Carolina, the only undefeated team remaining in the ACC. They're actually we only have there's there's no team with even one loss left in the ACC. Everyone um, has two losses besides UNC. UNC is a seven and a half point home favorite. Does this one get interesting tonight, Scoots? I think it does
0: get interesting. Ooh. Yeah, Wake Forest
2: pushes them till the very end. I'm not willing to call a winner, but I think, I mean, I know Wake Forest covers. Carolina wins by eight. Slight cover. <laughs> Kansas is hosting Cincinnati, 9 o'clock on ESPN. KU coming off a pretty embarrassing loss to West Virginia. Cincinnati playing better uh, a little bit. On the road, though, KU is an eight-and-a-half point home favorite. Scoots, to you like? I'll take Kansas. They're going to be mad. Kansas wins and covers, I think, for yeah. the same reason. All right, enjoy your Monday nights. Tomorrow, we got pregame for Duke Woo-hoo! here on the Mike Rutherford Show. We'll see you guys then at 3 o'clock. Go Cards! Go Lions!